Good evening and welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 149th take live from the HF Barcelona studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show, another two-for-one special, bringing some great people for you, some fantastic take ahead, ahead of you, and this is something you guys don't want to miss, so thanks for tuning in live. We're going to get started here in just a couple moments. Before we introduce the guests of honor, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible, and that, of course, is our sponsors, and tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate announced in early December the launch of the Liga Privada Unico Serie Bauhaus, an exclusive release for the European market. The basic tenet of the Bauhaus architectural movement is that every object must have a purpose in design. The new Liga Privada Bauhaus short robusta pays extra attention to leaf placement within the cigar, intentionally designed to take their European aficionados through a newly curated experience. The Bauhaus is a short Robusto format that is wrapped in a rich, earthy Connecticut broadleaf kappa, includes a bold Brazilian binder, and is complemented using filler tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. The Liga Bravada Unico Siri Bauhaus is packaged in an elegant blue 12-count box with gold embossing. So you hunters out there, check out those European markets for the Drew State Liga Bravada Bauhaus and get yours today so really excited for also our show is also sponsored by oveja negra brands four unique companies who share a passion to provide innovative cigars for the next generation of cigar enthusiasts black label trading company blackwork studio dissonant and emilio are combining premium tobacco with an artisanal touch oveja negra where art and tobacco collide join the flock and visit oveja ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. And welcome everyone. This is our 149 take and I am so pleased to welcome our United Cigars uh, guests of this evening, Smoke One Today and Start Living United, Mr. Casey Johnson and Dan Welsh. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Great, great and outstanding in you. Oh, I am living the dream one day at a time as always. <laughs> awesome. It was it was 80 degrees earlier this week. It is now uh, about uh, eight degrees below freezing now. So uh, a couple of days later, and so I'm I'm living the the what is usual with all of Texas, which is just basically a roller coaster of uh, of climate. Um, Absolutely. Climate maneuvering, so. Yeah. What's what's the adage down there? If you don't like the weather today, wait till tomorrow. Exactly. Well, heck, just wait till the afternoon. That's all you have to wait for. <laughs> Exactly. But, uh, but I guess it, it definitely, I guess it definitely beats having to shovel uh, snow, you know, every day through for a couple of months. Right, Casey? Yeah, actually we've been pretty mild. We're, uh, we got a little snowfall and uh, it's been, uh, you know, we're what, halfway through December now and uh, not a lot on the ground. I'm in Ohio, I'm in Ohio and it's been pretty temperate so far. I mean, yeah. It's getting cold this week, but. We haven't you, had any. Now, do, do, does Ohio? So, okay. So, like, where I was having this discussion uh, the other day on another take, we were talking about like the quintessential Christmas, like all the Hollywood movies, they showcase this white Christmas. And, like, I've watched Home Alone like so many thousands of times. And, like, there's like a perpetual layer of like fresh powder during the entire. Uh, granted, it's a film, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I mean, Ohio's not too far from Illinois, where Chicago, where, where Home Loans based. I mean, is it like that, Dan? I mean, there are there months or week stretches where you just have like perpetual snow on the ground, like so. Cle North Northern Ohio, like Cleveland, is you know got the lake effect 
from Lake Erie and you know the whole stretch from there over to Erie PA and then Buffalo um, so their 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 weather's completely different Columbus is dead center in the middle of Ohio so all the northern stuff misses us and then there's a there's a lot more there's a lot more weather south of us you know down mm -hmm. in uh, Kentucky that you know hits Cincinnati and doesn't hit Columbus so we kind of we kind of luck out you know, in the middle of the state, you know, not, you know, not getting the top, top half or the bottom halves, um, weather, weather programs. I mean, we get it, but that's, you know, sometimes, you know, when that, that year, when Casey, when, when did Chicago have the huge freeze? It wasn't last year, right? Two years ago. Maybe it was last year. Everything's such a blur. Um, but anyways, that came down here, but it wasn't anything like it was up there. That right. sub you know, remember that sub zero, like it lasted, you know, a week or more. Yeah, it was uh, like the the tundra. Yeah, I think it was. I think you're right. It was like two years ago, um, where it was just it was just yeah. miserably cold and yeah. just continual storms and everything. So, Casey, are you with this? It sounded like you were going in and out there for a second. Well, he's moving. He's not frozen. No, he's not frozen. I'm gonna lose you. There you go. Oh, <laughs> how did yeah. how did he predict that? <laughs> Man, that that so audio is good. on the screen. Uh, so Dan, while, while while Casey comes back into back in here for a second, um, so um, I was just um, I, I'm just curious, like what 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 did what did you decide to light up for tonight? I am I'm smoking a surrogate satin glove right now. Um, probably halfway through it already. You know, I, I've got uh, I've got it for a lineup tonight. Uh, I've go. got my uh, I've got a animal cracker. Nice for oh, yours. Okay. And I uh, I've, I started the evening off uh, with the Latelier. Yeah, special That's selection. The, so. the new special selection. Yeah, with uh, with this brilliant new uh, labeling that you guys have put on this. Yep. Um, yeah. And so I, I I'm going to fully fall on the sword here. I mean, I asked the I asked the dumb question in the green room. I was like, guys, this. Is this is this new? Is this new? And, and you guys obviously confirmed that and everything. But uh, Dan, you you pointed out a really a uh, really unique characteristic about this new branding here. Uh, uh, just share that with my audience for you. With uh, and I'll see if I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if they can see it on there. Maybe if it gets um, in focus. But there's embossing um, through that middle section that actually says Tatuaje over and over and over. Um, yep. So if you look real close, you can you can see it. And then, as you pointed out, Bear, on the back, you've got the uh, the uh, PHJC logo. Mm -hmm. um, again, just driving driving home that all you know all these products are part of the Tatuaje family. So yeah, they're all under that umbrella. So you know, a couple the, years the, the ago, big... a couple years ago, we started putting little round stickers on you know all the surrogates boxes, all the atelier boxes. Um, even La Mission saying, you know, official Tatuaje or Tatuaje, let's say Tatuaje authorized product or official uh, Tatuaje product. Yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You get the idea. We're, we're going to talk about the the unification of the brands here in just a, in, 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 a, in a little bit here. But uh, uh, Casey, while we're talking about what we're smoking, what do you, what are you, uh, what are you puffing on right now? Well, I'm, I'm just finishing up a, a, a 50th, uh, our TAA 50th anniversary stick and uh and i'm gonna move on to 
well, a mission in a little while. Nice. 1959. 1959. Yep. Now, uh, we're, I know we're going to get to this as well. That's uh, that that cigar scored. Uh, uh, pretty pretty well uh, this year in uh, the illustrious uh, Cigar Aficionado magazine. Yeah, uh, 90, 95. Um, there were there were two cigars during the year that got a ninety five, and then um, one of the, one of the Fuentes got a ninety five in December. But I and I so I forget how their you know their rules yeah. go. I, I I've always thought December was like for the next year, but I'm not yeah sure. I think. Honestly, I think their, their tastings their tastings were done in November, finished in, in November, and I think they by the end of November they're into their second tasting. Yeah, to finalize. So, so we'll see. So it really might be one of one of two cigars that got a ninety five. There were there were a bunch of ninety fours as well. Yeah. It's performed we, well since its release by, by Cigar Aficionado standards. Like it's it's, yeah. it's I feel like it's always gotten ninety plus, um, yeah. like across all Vitolas. So it's, it's always we, gone in the wheelhouse. We, we, we ended up 17 one year. What, three years ago was it, Dan? Uh, with La Mission, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, Atelier uh, regular has, uh, has scored very well, too. And, and surrogates, I mean, right straight through, um, we've done yeah. very well. Been yeah, there's, there's a lot of 90 and 91 surrogates, which, which is always, it's always fun to see, uh, Cigar aficionado put one of the novelty surrogate names in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite was the tramp stamp. I thought it was hilarious yeah. that it made it in. <laughs> so. But uh, you know, as we as you kind of get uh, smoking here and everything, and really enjoying some of these cigars, I know Casey's got a nice lineup too. I've got the Animal Cracker lined up next. Uh, anxious to see uh, what uh, Dan moves on to. Well, um, I've got a, I've got a nineteen. 1959 La Mission as well, but okay. I, now that now that we're talking, I think I'm probably going to move on to the the bigger um, selection special. Um, yeah. I mean, we might as well just spill the beans since you you had one out, and I'm going to have one out here next to um, that 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 uh, last month. No, last month, Casey, two months ago. Well, Two months ago. Two months ago, we we released um, a reintroduced selection special of Atelier in in the core, the original three core sizes of of Atelier, mm-hmm. the 52, 54, and fifty six. So mm-hmm. what you're smoking was you know that's new. It was never available in that size. We had multiple sizes that we had done with that darker Sancti Spiritus wrapper. Because um, yep. the only difference with that cigar is it's it's a higher priming Sancti Spiritus wrapper. There's no change on on the inside from from Core Atelier. But I mean, you're when you were smoking it, like you you, I, I would think that you think the same thing I do, which is doesn't even taste like. <laughs> it could, yeah, it could have been just been a totally di- another brand name, and you would have mm-hmm. never known that that was the only you know the only difference. It's right. in, it's interesting you mentioned that Dan because that's always something that I I, I I was noting was the fact that it is only a different priming yet it does it does deliver a different flavor profile really well like the thing that I get out of the original Latelier versus the the special selection uh, again this is my first foray into this new Vitola of course yeah, but from yeah. my memory 
is like the original Latelier had a little bit, had a lot more richness to it. There's a little bit more creaminess about it. Um, and then the higher priming uh, selection of it was, you know, gave it a little bit more, uh, this rustic nature, a lot more woodiness, um, yep. a lot more earthiness yep. to mm -hmm. it. Um, Absolutely. So incredibly unique flavor and still, and, and still incredibly enjoyable too. It didn't take yeah. away from it as well, which. Um, and I, honestly, I think that's where, when we originally released the 46 mm -hmm. in the SS, or in the, the, the higher priming wrapper, that's what people notice the most. I mean, when that first hit the market in 10 count boxes, that was gangbusters, did great. And uh, I think people sat back a little bit and were like, wow, where'd this come from? So, well, and bear that darker profile, a lot of people end up you know, talking about it saying, oh, it's so much stronger. Well, it, mm. you know, it's flavor strength. Flavor strength, right? yeah. yeah. But it, you know, it, because with the core atelier, you know, you go straight to, wow, what a finesse stick. It's so mm -hmm. complex. And now you're smoking the same thing with a darker wrapper and you don't go, you know, you, that's not your first thought. Your first thought is, wow, it's got a lot of strength, but it's not strength. It's not physical strength. It's just flavor strength. Right. Um, that's a soapbox I always talk about when we're doing events is, you know, you like strong in flavor or do you like you know lajero ridden strong yeah um, nicotine sticks because we right. you know, we all use different terminology strength is um yeah i, I find i find that the term full like when they're when i've you know spending this much time in in in, in humidors as i've had it's like the term full is so is almost becoming as of you know, full or medium or, or, or mild is becoming almost like as subjective as the flavor yeah. components of the cigar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Because I think there's so much, mis like you were talking about there, Dan, so much misunderstanding when we talk about the terms Absolutely. of full bodied, full flavored, you know, um, and, right. and cause you can have a fully flavored, uh, mild bodied cigar. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, that, this is one, I mean, it, you know, Atelier mm -hmm. is medium. It's right down the middle medium. Mm -hmm. but, Absolutely. You know, and usually, usually, I guess we would go to, you know, if you're saying it's full bodied, we're probably talking about the physical strength level, but not really all, you know, I've, I've had plenty mm -hmm. of, plenty of guys who are like, oh no, I can't take a lot of, you know, the strong nicotine stuff, you know, gets to me, but I, you know, but I like full bodied sticks and they're meaning what you're meaning, which is meaty, you know, earthy, woodsy, those kind of flavor profiles that make you think of, you know, more body than finesse. Mm -hmm. so. Now, so that, that brings about an interesting question because, you know, for, the, you know, for, I would say a, a larger part of the, the, the Tatuaje profile or the Tatuaje smoker is more of that, that, that heavier side there are right. certainly many right. nuanced and, and milder offerings within the with under that that brand and everything but you know as a you know latelier's example like you said is, is more medium uh and more and, and lighter in uh, lighter in strength and everything and i would I, for, and i would argue that uh surrogates also has some mixed identity as well i mean where where do you guys fall like if you if you could describe your wheelhouse what would it be 
well, we're definitely, we're definitely different. Go, go ahead, Casey. Yeah, but I'm all over the place now, more than I've ever been. I think my my palate's matured a lot, but it's also, you know, I could range anywhere from, you know, Cab I Juan with Pete to Loki with Pete, which is the 2003 Kohonu, which is not a mild stick at all, a medium stick. That's a ball buster, and I absolutely that flavor hits and i'll nub that to you know to the end and and i love it so i'm i'm i dance all over the place now uh, more than i ever did now i used to be just a medium smoker you know i was uh you know atelier uh racine in that realm um and with tatuaje um you know i delve into some brown label which is medium plus but that was as far as i went i did not go super strong. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, again, I bounce all over the place now. Go ahead, Dan. I used to, I used to tell people all the time that uh, I smoke backwards because I smoke really strong sticks in the morning. And then, mm -hmm. you know, later at night, if I'm reading a book or something, I would get into a little more finesse, finesse stick, paying more attention to it, that kind of thing. That's still kind of, you know, true, but I'm, I'm definitely all over the place as well. And I definitely do a lot of, uh, probably a lot more strong sticks than finesse sticks mm -hmm. but it, it all it still all depends that's the great relative thing to moment have having you know yeah. this huge portfolio that tatuai has is there literally is everything under the sun um, yeah. there so yeah no i mean one of the ones that's really the new avitas for me is kind of my go-to lately yeah yeah. Um, just be, and that's, uh, you know, medium, medium plus in that realm, but absolute medium full. Well, no, what is it? Medium plus, I'd say. I'd say new Avitas is medium plus and new Avitas Hebro is medium Hebrew, full. Medium full, right. So, you know, I'm in that, in that, just the wrapper leaf, uh, changes everything for me in that, in that realm. So. I, uh, I, uh, do a, I do a show a couple times a year with some of the guys from Cigar Federation and uh, mm -hmm. I bring them on and we do, it's really cool. We do this beer exchange uh, and we drink beers from like basically our, cause we're basically like, we split the country uh, trips on the West coast. Dennis is on the East coast and I'm here in Texas. And so mm -hmm. we like get to experience each other's like, you know, beer regional beer selection, which is kind of cool. And then we always mm -hmm. pair it with a blind cigar and a couple of, uh, we've done this uh, five times already. And then uh, a couple times ago, uh, Trip gave us the, uh, the, the, the Hibaro. And I, I was able to guess it blind, uh, which, and that cigar was nice. so good. And he did, he did such a great job with pairing it with that beer that night. It was just, it was just outstanding. It was such That's a great cool. experience. Um, you know, but, uh, but speaking of, <laughs> Dan was talking about reading a book and everything. It, things are things are certainly a lot quieter uh, in 2020 than your y'all's usual schedule. You guys, you know, traveling uh, in huge, you know, traveling around the country in a huge bus, uh, also flying on occasion too. But like a lot of lot of travel, a lot of time on the road and everything. And and this is something that we were talking about before we we talked uh, started the show was like you guys when. We talk about the cigar in the in the retail world and in the cigar world. We talk about how the cigar event is, you know, overall is, is kind of needs some kind of rejuvenation. It's kind of a dying entity, you know, traditionally speaking. 
but not as far as Statsuwahe is concerned, because you guys, I mean, it is a it is a rock star event every time you guys roll into town. And it could be it could be Pete by himself. It could be the three of y'all. It could be Dan by himself. It could be Casey by himself. It could be just two of y'all. It doesn't really matter. I mean, people line out the door and it is just unbelievable what you guys are able to bring to it. I mean, for, so a couple of questions to spin off this real quick. I mean, first of all, like where, where do you. Where, where do you think that you guys are doing it differently or how, like, how are you able to sustain the success over so long? I'll, that would be my first question. Dan, what do I, you think? I think I would go to, I think it's the cigar that brings them in. Right. And then, you know, not Pete, Pete will bring a crowd obviously. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Pete's, Pete's got rock star status. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll pat us on the back and say, people love us at events. You know, we, we have a good time with people and they love hearing the stories about the cigars and all that. So that's a, that's a huge part of it. But I think the cigar brings them in first, right? So mm-hmm. you got this huge portfolio. It doesn't matter what the focus of the event is. It still ends up, you know, being a Tatuaje event, big table full of, you know, everything under the sun. You know, if you like mild, we don't do mild, but you like, you know, the lighter side of cigars or stronger cigars, you know, we've got it. Um, and, uh, and there's just a huge fan base from saints and sinners to just, you know, guys, guys who have been smoking it since 2003. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, there, there are guys that, you know, even older guys that when they discovered the brand, you know, in 03, you know, what, what was out there that was boutique? It, it was, you know, this, this was the defining moment for a lot of you know companies that are you know more like-minded in that realm of you know smaller companies we don't like to use overuse the word boutique and all that but um and uh so an older guy discovers that right and it's like this hidden thing that no one else knows about and and he's still in that same realm right we'll get a little beef every once in a while about well you're not boutique anymore and then we'll argue that if you take any one of the brandings under the Tatuaje umbrella, there's nothing yep. that comes close to even some of the boutique brands that are out there. As far as the numbers produced and you know sold in a year's time, mm-hmm. they're, they're all very, very small brands. Yeah, I agree. Okay, see, before you answer the question, I, 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 I will actually, I'm, I'm, one of those, I'm one of those people that will argue about companies being boutique or not. And I, I recently had a, uh, the, the, uh, the, Alan, uh, the Ruben boys, you know, Alec, mm-hmm. um, Bradley and Alec on, and Alec and I have this, <laughs> this back and forth about Alec Bradley being boutique or not. Uh, it's, it's all in good fun, but it, <laughs> as far as discussion was, but, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I would really, I would love to have that discussion with someone who doesn't think that Tatuaje is boutique because, um, yeah, if you look, if you wanted to judge it as an umbrella, I could maybe, I could maybe go with that argument, maybe a little bit, but it's not, you know, like there's, there's three distinct brands as we've kind of are going to be talking about here shortly. Um, yes, it's all part of the same, but Tatuaje by itself, I, I, I don't think it's ever, I, I, I think, I think people can, what, what the problem is, I think people confuse boutique with uh, legacy, you know, and, and longevity. And I yeah. think that's where I think that's where the biggest problem is. Yeah, and now it's 
that it's been around since 2003 and it's, you know, it's definitely grown, but what's grown is the portfolio. Right. Um, yeah. One, one, one thing to touch on what you were just saying is, you know, Miami, the products coming out of Miami, it's a, it's a closed, it, it's a closed production, right? right? You can't create anymore with 12 rollers in Miami, right? <laughs> So, so it's not growing, but what's growing is the portfolio around it. And there are right. some, there are some brown labels that are made in Nicaragua. The, the Corona Gorda, the sevens, the 2012 um, Coho New in all three wrappers and the 10th anniversary sticks, Belonk and um, Bone Chasseur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and little petite Casadores are made. in Yeah, Nicaragua. petite Casadores and stuff um, like that too. So, so that expands it. But even even those coming out of Nicaragua aren't in huge numbers. But Miami's Miami's the best soapbox to stand on, Bear, when you're mm-hmm. arguing that point is, you know, how how can it how can you consider it not boutique anymore? I mean, it's exactly the same as it's been for you know, once it once it grew to the where it basically is, which was probably about ten years ago, you know, easily by two thousand and ten. The production that's coming out of Miami was the production that's coming out of Miami still today. Right. So, Casey, I'm, I'm going to take two Dan's points and, 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 and I'm going to be careful because I don't, I don't I'm not criticizing Dan's point about the cigar. I think I think that I think that is a point well taken. And I think that's that's proof is in the pudding there. The cigar definitely brings people in, but a lot of people make good cigars. Um, so my question to you, Casey, and he mentioned another term, rock star. You know, Pete has that rock yeah. star quality. But. I mean, I've been to an event with just the two of you guys and there was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was hopping. Um, so, I mean, I mean, how does that yeah. rock star feel, feel for you personally? It, it, it really, you know, for me, it's not the rock star status. It's, 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 it's the approachability, I think, and the relationship with the retailer and the end consumers that I think really dictates the numbers that come to, to us. Um, you know, our relationship with the retailers is always great. When we go to your stores in, in Euless and, and in Keller, um, we have relationships with end consumers and with, uh, with your uh, staff that make those events what they are. You know, we go across town to, to you know, to, to Kent or whoever, same thing. Um, but I, I always go back to approachability and, and honesty and, and uh, being, uh, uh, you know, uh, open to conversation with everybody. I, I, I see every, it feels like when we go to your stores, it feels like home, you know, and, and we get that a lot all over the country. And, and that, it, a lot of it was paved by my brother, but uh, I think we've expanded on it a little bit more. I think it's it's really interesting how this 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 expansive community, like you said, that 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 Pete paved for and everything, mm-hmm. um, has really has really kind of not just accepted but enveloped with you all, and it's 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 kind of gotten to this this echelon, if you will, where you you guys again from from where I sit, you guys do have this this rock star appeal. Where, where you guys just bring people in. And, and uh, I think the Saints and Sinners community definitely does have a lot to do with it. It's a, it's a very, um, I think it's one of the most, uh, if not the most underrated community in the cigar community, in the cigar mm-hmm. industry, because mm-hmm. it's been around forever. Everybody has heard about it. Everybody knows about it. 
Uh, but I don't think people really appreciate the the force and the and the the support that 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 organization brings. Um, mm-hmm. What what have you guys noticed about Saints and Sinners the most over time um, as it's developed from where you guys sit? Well, the numbers. <laughs> yeah, the numbers are just. What's it up to now? What's the membership up to now? I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> ish. I'm not going to hold you to a number. I just yeah, ish. I mean, it capped out at 1600 at one point. I don't know if it's still there. I mean, you know, economic climate dictates that a little bit. It is, you know, what it is to get into the club. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's around that, that realm. Um, and that's a, that's a big number when it, when it comes down to it. Yeah. yeah, with with, with exclusive group, sure, absolutely. Yeah, that, that you said exclusive. It, you know, it's a closed closed group, and someone someone gets to nominate, you know, a friend in, and it's grown. It's grown because you know people know people that want in, and that's how they get in. I guess you know. I guess you could just put a five pack together sell it in a store with a you know membership card <laughs> that you fill out and send in and you could take the membership up to you know 10,000 overnight but that's not that's not the nature of the beast no i've always wanted to ask uh, pete this way. i guess i could pose it to you all is it, it, it it's very it's very much modeled on the the masonic principle you know from freemasonry is like you you have to know one to kind of get in kind of deal a little I don't bit know invited. Where they came, yeah, I don't know where they came up with that. Do you, Casey? No, I don't. I, I think that yeah, might have been a Casper realm. I'm Pete and Casper might have. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, my opinion is, I think it was just to control the membership numbers, you know, so that it didn't didn't grow into a huge, huge beast mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. wise. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't. History wise, like how they had that conversation, I don't know. If it, was, if it was more open, I, I I can't even imagine what that number would grow to. I'm sure it would just be I'm sure it would just be outlandish if it was just like open season yeah. on it. I mean, you got to remember. I mean, that control piece has to do a little bit with, you know, we're a very small company internally too. Uh, if you look at it, it's Casper, Pete, Kyle, and Ali, kind of running the Saints and Sinners Club as a whole, and we've had our hiccups along the way, but everything seems to be smooth now uh, we've grown into it so yeah well a lot has evolved over time and that's going to take us into tonight's major point and as always our major point is brought to you by wood, wood butcher maine introducing durable and attractive wooden creations to your kitchen backyard grill and home using native maine wood and other exotic wood species Wood Butcher main products include butcher blocks, cutting boards, coasters, grill grate cleaners, and the El Osofumar favorite, the Red Oak Cigar Ashtray and Cocktail Coaster, plus many more. The Wood Butcher Main's team, passion for food, the pine tree state, and craftsmanship of the highest quality show in absolutely every piece. Visit woodbutchermain.com. Yes, that's woodbutchermain.com to explore the current collection. So, so gentlemen, this was the, the major point that I wanted to explore tonight, which was the, the evolution of the brands that you, that you represent into the collective umbrella, which you now are a part of representing. Um, so, you know, Dan, we've had Casey on the show and, and, and we'll certainly give Latelier its proper due in the spotlight, but I wanted to take the time to 
to to recognize that you know uh, while 2020 has been a cluster and everyone is on pins and needles waiting for 21 uh, <laughs> 2021 to hit like it's going to be a magic you know magic elixir of some kind but it'll just not be 2020 anymore i think most people will be celebrating that but there is a reason to celebrate 2021 as well because surrogates will be 10 years old yep in 2011 so um so dan i just gotta ask like how how did i mean let's go back to the beginning as this got started at new havana cigars uh if you could kind of walk someone uh, walk us through the, the the brief history of it like how did how do surrogates come to be happy accident <laughs> like like most of our creations happy accident um so as you as you mentioned i had started new havana cigars in late 2008 um as it was going to be a hobby <laughs> i was a, a database analyst and you know i had a I had a pretty pretty good uh, cigar habit at the time and i was like maybe that would help support it. No, you're right things, the first time, Dan. Hobby, not habit. Yeah, hobby. Yeah, right. A cigar hobby. Um, so a healthy you know, hobby. <laughs> one, one of the things that I that I saw in the industry at the time was that, like Pete cigars, for instance, um, the stuff that existed online at that time, because you know online shopping was you know way way newer than than now. Um, you'd go to famous or any of the big guys or maybe a small shop had something behind the scenes, but not like today where most shops have something behind the scenes online. Um, and you didn't see any pictures. You saw a description that somebody put up and then everybody cut and pasted from, and it was usually wrong. So, you know, people had Havana Pete's Havana six red label up with the same description that they had for brown label on and on and on. They had the wrapper wrong. Um, sometimes the sizes were wrong. They're just, you know, it was, it was copy and copy and paste world. And it was like mail order catalog style, right? If you knew what right. you wanted, if you knew you wanted a box of Noahs, you could go out there and buy it, but it wasn't a shopping experience. Um, and I had been, <laughs> I had been buying, uh, cigars from the island online from uh, Geneva, Switzerland, and they had a an amazing site, you know, that was like the history of, you know, the island as far as cigars are concerned. We still reference that site if we're, you know, wondering what a, you know, uh, Cohiba such and such size is. You know, we'll we'll look on that site to make sure. Um, and so I, you know, I I went out to LA and I talked to Pete and I'm like. I want to put up a site, but I want it to look like this. And I brought my laptop with me and, um, and he knew, he knew the other site that I'm talking about. Um, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going, you know, that far, but I'm talking about the shopping experience of seeing a good picture of the cigar, how it's packaged, that kind of stuff. And then a real description. And, you know, Pete and I go back to 2000, 99, 2000. Um, and, um, you know, so when he started his brand and I, I was back in Ohio at that time and following it and whatnot. So, you know, I had, I had an inside glimpse of everything that he had come out with up to that point. Um, and so it was frustrating for me as a friend of his to see this stuff being, you know, kind of misrepresented. So part of it for me was almost marketing for him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other part was, you know, start this side business. And so it just happened, you know, and 
it was word of mouth and people found the site and then they started spreading it and um, it got, you know, it's still tiny. It, it still exists. Um, and it's still tiny in the grand scheme of things, but um, you know, it, it took off well enough that, you know, I had, I had uh, Tatuaje, Illusione at the time. Um, I brought in Viaje when it first started because um, Pete, Pete took me to the trade show and I got to pal around and meet some other people. So I, I was bringing in these small, actually boutique brands at boutique the time brands, right? yeah. <laughs> and, um, and representing them online by carrying everything that they had at the time. That was, that was the hook. Like, don't just pick and choose. You carry everything. You show everything, right? So you have a line sampler. If there's six sizes in a line, like when Illusione came out, it was seven sizes. And um, so I had a line sampler that had one cigar of all the different sizes. So you could try them all, you know, because it was new to you. You didn't know what, which one was going to be your favorite. So that's always, that's always been a hook of, of New Havana to, to do that kind of thing. Well, quickly, all, the, all three of those brands started doing what Pete does, which is a lot of limited edition stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what... What you do when you have a few hundred, you know, people on your email list and, you know, you get something new in, you send an email out and everybody wants it, but you got three or four boxes, right? <laughs> so you put them in five packs and you can service, you know, 20 people, right? And so it was kind of this limited edition stuff was really frustrating. And so I called Pete on a whim and just said, man, I'm so sick of this limited edition stuff. <laughs> Just like stop sending it to me, right? And I said, I said, have you ever thought what, what a limited edition cigar would be if you just kept making it? And he said, what do you mean? And I'm like, all right, well, you know, normal limited edition, let's say it's a $12 price point. You made 500 boxes of it and it's, you know, one and done. You sell out of it. The retailers sell out of it and no one smokes it because they want to save it. That was part of this experiment as well. I called it a social experiment. I said, if you, if you could create a cigar like that, but then just keep making it, one, price, price goes down, right? Because you don't have to make special boxes. You know, it's in production. You're not, you know, selling a ton of it, but it's in regular production. Um, yeah. And I'm like, so like that 8 to $10 price range, right? yeah and i said go another step further what if what if every cigar in that line was its own entity it basically it was like its own limited edition because what do you do when you create a limited edition you decide what style of cigar you want it to be which usually you know then that that plays into the wrapper or you choose a wrapper that you want to play with that that denotes the style right um and so on and so forth, and it becomes a project. Well, that, that's what surrogates is. And, um, and so I, I pitched this project-based brand and Pete kind of lit up like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool concept, right? Because it doesn't exist, where every cigar would be its own thing. It was created in a size, specifically for that blend and that style. And then you do something totally different and just keep adding it. And so we, we decided to do this bone crusher and skull breaker for new Havana cigars as a run. 
um, thinking, you know, we'll do a big run and I'm so small, it'll take me years to go through them, but we'll keep making them, right? So that was the concept, but we also, you know, kind of wanted to expand on it and then just break it into a national realm. Um, and so that's what happened. You know, a year later, Pete was talking with all, all three of us um, about, you know, starting what he was kind of calling a workshop, which is what atelier means in French, right. a workshop um, mm -hmm. and, um, and getting us all involved because, you know, our, our joke at the time way back then was, um, you know, Pete was a solo act in, in the music industry. Right. And he wanted to put a band together because he really liked playing in a band. And, right. and that's, that was kind of the birth of Atelier. And when we went, we all went down on a, a trip to Nicaragua to the factory and we were talking about it. And then I was on the bus and I said, um, so we could put surrogates under this Atelier umbrella. And he went, yep. And so that's, that, that's how, kind of how it started. And, you know, and then I went, I went down with him when we started Atelier and we, we blended two more surrogates so that we could come out of the, out of the shoot with four with the intention of, you know, doing one every year and, you know, continually expanding it. So that, you know, that concept of project based, you know, it took, it took years for people to grasp it and for retailers to grasp what that meant because you know the out of the shoot it was bone crusher skull breaker we did tramp stamp and then crystal baller all right so crystal baller out of all those is the one that you know it's a finestic you know it's a box pressed 56 ring gauge chunky you know uh, mm -hmm. mouthful but it's medium plus you know almost it's almost medium full, honestly, but it's, you know, it's medium plus and it's a very finesse stick. And what, what I was hearing from retailers as we were traveling early on like that was, yeah, that one surrogate with the, the you know, the blend, the surrogates blend with the lighter wrapper. You know, my customers, you know, they, they, they don't go back to that one. And I'm like, but you explain that it's a completely different thing, right? And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? So they thought, surrogates was a blend right and then all the different names were just because Sizes. it had a, yeah <laughs> size and because it had a different wrapper on it um and i had you know we had to just keep pounding like no it's a project-based brand well what the hell's that well think of limited editions and you just keep making them that's that was literally the idea and that's that's the way it's gone still um yep. Really, the only thing that's changed over the years is there were a couple. You're you're smoking that big animal cracker um, that was designed as a six by sixty stick. We blended that at the factory as a six by sixty, and as they brought samples out, I smoked so many six by sixties that I about had a nicotine attack <laughs> because I wouldn't put them down. And Pete would be like, "Put it down, man. You know, we 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 said we're going to have them, you know, change this and this and this, and they're bringing samples out." And I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't really like this one, but I want to see see it through to the end and see why I don't like it, right? Learning experience. Um, plus, I can't put a stick down. So, <laughs> But we created that as a 6x60. And really early on, people were just like, I wish you would, I wish you would create a, a, a smaller version of it. And then as a joke, when we were doing the five packs, we did 
cracker crumbs, which is literally that blend in a little, you know, four and a half by 38. <laughs> and then we eventually broke down and, and did the AC 550 Robusto because that's what that's what people really wanted. But the, the intention was not to do that. It was, you know, it was we blended that to be this big six by 60 ball buster. Right. Right. It's funny you mentioned the animal cracker in, in, in that in that regard, Dan, we're going to come back to some stuff in there, but I want to get Casey's take on a couple of things. But before that, the, since you mentioned the animal cracker, I was one of those guys. Because yeah. I'm not a six by 60 guy. I'm just <laughs> not. Either. But I but I told you this is this. If it's not my favorite, it's 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 one A, one B kind of right. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's right. at the top of my favorite six by 60. I smoke them all the time. I, I really love it. Uh, and I was like and I was that guy. I was like, God, if you could only make a Robusto. Right. Uh, then Cracker Crumbs comes out. I love the Cracker Crumbs uh, probably as much as the original. And and then when the 550 got announced, I was so excited. And I think it was one of these cases where I overhype a cigar, and and I just I I, I I like it. I like it just fine. I think it's I think it's it's really it's really good. It just it it just doesn't compare to yeah, the six by sixty. Yeah, it right. just doesn't. Yeah, six by sixty, right? Well, so, people always ask, people always ask like when you're at the factory, they just roll robustos for you, right? And you know, <laughs> to some extent, there's there's a little truth there, and there's definitely a lot of people that that's that's their wheelhouse, so that's what they blend. Mm -hmm. They blend a robusto, then there might not even be a robusto in the line. They might have three other sizes that robusto isn't even one of them. But obviously, before you market that you're testing it at all sizes, right? And you might right. even have to tweak it at different sizes. Um, but we don't necessarily do that. And with surrogates, we totally don't do that. Like I mentioned, you know, they roll what, what the project is gonna be. We, right. we treat it like, it, like we're, you know, building a new limited edition stick and that's the only, you know, it's only that size. So why would you blend it as a Robusto and then say, cool, that's really great. Now. Now make it as a seven by forty-seven box press, like the satin glove. Why would you do that? Right. That, that's I think right. that's why the animal cracker is so good because it actually is blended to that size. Where yeah. I think where a lot mm -hmm. of six by sixties that I've smoked and and don't enjoy, frankly, is because they're they're an afterthought. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, right. Right. Casey, to get your 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 two cents worth. So like when sure. when surrogates was launched and everything, where where were you? in the fabric and i mean did 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 pete and dan come to you and talk to you about this like what were you no it, it's kind of weird because um let's see the year before we started the brand i was working in, at a nice arena and i was really looking to do some transition pete had brought me to the show i've been to nicaragua i met uh, dan let's see the year before I think, I think it was, was because I th I think you were there on the trip when they were packaging Bone Crusher and Skullbreaker. I think so too. Yes, I agree. So, um, you know, I was looking at what my brother was doing and seeing some things that I thought I traveled a lot of shops early on in New England looking at how it was presented. I came from Adidas in sales before I moved home. Um, and it was all about presentation. And, uh, and I offered to my brother after leaving the show the year I met Dan, I think, um, saying, you know, listen, I can go fully entrenched and do some, you know, 
marketing, not marketing, I wouldn't say more of a, you know, working with the reps and how to go about selling this. And he's like, and eh, nah, I got, I got other plans later on. And it was the trip to Nicaragua the next time where everything kind of escalated. I was, uh, I was the last one in the show to figure out that we were all starting this company too. All of a sudden, <laughs> boom, you know, uh, Pete was like, yeah, um, the trade show in Orlando, we're going to be launching the product, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Oh, cool. But there was a press release before saying Atelier was starting. And I had no idea that press release was coming out. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to tell my boss <laughs> what's going on. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- it's been a fun to watch all sides of this mature. I mean, from Pete being a solo artist, coming into the realm of the group um, with Casper, Dan and I, um, and uh, seeing, you know, how this whole, thing would mature it's been cool i see that you you still represent adidas well as uh as as it now dan it looks like he's adopted it as well too so i think they all have been doing it for years so i I don't take (laughs) any ownership that's just an accident but yes oh that's just coincidence that's that's even that's hilarious i'm 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 six four so i i always like that like their xls fit like a double xl for the most part Mm -hmm. or (laughs) even like a tall because like this this jacket, this jacket's probably 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, easily. It's back before they got into all the, you know, like even even the sweats now, they're all, you know, cropped down at the ankle and, you know, they're not, they, they're not quite like Performance. that anymore. You know, they used to yeah. have that, that longer sloppy feel to them. Right. Well, Adidas is kind of cool because, you know, it fits a trend of uh, whether it was uh, the inner city vibe to the... Yeah performance piece uh very well we've always adapted or we uh the company had always adapted to that pretty well it's funny because you know you, you talk I, I listen to pete talk about the monster and and the exclusivity when i was working for adidas you know i i was soccer specific that's what i did um but i got to see um a place called uh, harry the greek uh, a shop in Boston, which was known for quick releases and limited releases. And Adidas was a big player there. I actually stopped by the store and had my samples stolen one day out of the back of my car. Oh, wow. Funny how, uh, yeah, I was chasing guys down for uh, a pretty cool Adidas stuff with uh, guys running around with only left shoes on because they stole all my left samples. <laughs> <laughs> It's so. uh, it's interesting how that uh, that happens in in uh, multiple industries. Samples getting yeah. stolen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, yeah. So Dan, oh. go back go back to the so beginning. Casey, oh. imagine if they if they created that color wave, right? That special mm-hmm. limited edition color wave, but they just kept making it, just the one color wave yeah. in, in a specific shoe. It wouldn't be special oh, yeah. anymore. That's a, that, that's the concept of surrogates, and and the experiment <laughs> is right. Like when you're smoking that stick, I mean, you're literally smoking the exact quality and and what would go into creating a limited limited edition run. That's what you're smoking, but it seems very commonplace to people, right? And it, the numbers on surrogates is is tiny, right? But they're always available. So, like, trying to get someone to understand how special that thing is that they're actually smoking would be the equivalent of that shoe 
So it's now it's on the shelf. It's everywhere. It's even in department stores. Only in that yeah. one color, the one that you were going to chase down. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just not that special anymore. I mean, that's the mentality that I was yeah. going after. And it really, it is an intellectual joke on my side because I'm like, mm -hmm. I, kn I knew that that's, you know, that's where some a project like surrogates would land. Um, mm -hmm. But it is interesting that over time, when people really start to understand it, they start embracing it as, well, that's that little hidden secret, right? Well, you know, we talk about um, how uh, it takes a while sometimes, and we've talked to other manufacturers about it takes a while to find what your cigar, your signature cigar is. I honestly think that Dan, if you look at the performance of Skullbreaker and, and Bone Crusher, your originals are kind of your staples. Yeah, they are. They are. They really they, are. I mean, they, you know, they sell more. They're, they're the big, cracker crumbs are the biggest seller in the portfolio. Agreed. <laughs> like, agreed. By, by far. I mean, that's half of the surrogate sales, I think, is cracker crumbs. Right. Um, <laughs> we, we can't even make enough of those. They're always on right. record. Right. Um, and, and, you know, those, the, the, the other two have been, yeah. you know, stalwarts. You know, if you look at inventory sheets that come out weekly, um they're always yellow yeah <laughs> if not then, red and then ac550 yeah. is probably right behind that yep um, but and anyways it's, go ahead bear you were you were oh, going somewhere with that well i was i was wanting to go back to a comment then from the chat or, or orlando um you know orlando had mentioned this was a and this was something that occurred to me and then he said it out loud so i'll give him credit for it was you know you formed uh new havana uh, cigars in 2008 i mean what a what a trying year to start a new venture that was i mean yeah, talk well, about 2020 being the cluster that is i mean 2008 i mean holy cow um i mean what i'm what possessed you to think that like that this this hobby could could because, actually well because it was it was just meant to be a you know a second thing right something i could do in the evenings after work right and that's literally how it started I found I found an office that was close to where I was um, working as a database analyst, so I could literally go over there at lunchtime and I could go over there after work. So mm -hmm. I would get off at four, go over, pick an order or two that came in, and go drop them off, <laughs> right. them. Um, and then do you know photo work and all that kind of stuff in the evenings and whatnot. Um, right. But it was it was short lived before it took off enough that it was like, well, that's that's going to be a day job now. Um, mm -hmm. so. I, I, I tend to tell everybody when everybody's zigging Dan was zagging he made this thing a, a beast so uh, it, it's pretty cool how, how like you said 2008 was a real tough year to start start something and uh, yeah, pretty amazing to see that, wasn't, on. that part of it wasn't on my radar because I didn't have to take life savings and you know invest in something I just you know I rented an office my, my first order from Pete was maybe 10 boxes of cigars. And I, you know, I put up a, I put up a Hunter line sampler of brown labels and I sold through them. And then I ordered 20 boxes of cigars. Right. And then so on and so forth. And Let's next thing I know, this humidor is full. <laughs> and then, and then trans, transport time to now and just our portfolio fills up the humidor. And I right. still don't, you know, I don't hold a lot of stock. I'll just, you know, I'll have a, 
a box back and a box open for five pack samplers. Um, and, um, and then there's a box back. Um, and then, you know, then I order more. So it's mm -hmm. not, it's not this, you know, big enterprise where I've got, you know, like, yeah, send me 10 of all those, you know, and then they're sitting on the shelf for until whenever, whatever. So you, you mentioned that you carried some other brands early on. And uh, one mm -hmm. of the ones that you mentioned was Illusione. So uh, there's a part of that story of the beginnings of New Havana Cigars. When you were talking about it to Pete, uh, there, he had a visitor that day that he wanted you to pitch it to. Yeah, I was, oh, out, I was out there the weekend that Dion was coming into town to visit Pete specifically to smoke his samples of, you know, the original document, the original Illusione. And um, so I was out there a day early, a day earlier than he was. And then we ended up spending, you know, the whole weekend, um, the three of us. And so by the time Dion got there, Pete, Pete was like, you got to pitch this to Dion. And Dion was like, okay, that's, that's really cool. But I, I really, you know, when this comes out, I don't want any of this stuff online. I'll, I'll never have it online. And, but I pitched it as, look, there, there are people that don't have access to a cigar store. You know, what do you do with them? And, and I really just wanted to be like a small brick and mortar online, right? Nothing like that existed. And, um, and when I showed him and I said, you know, the line, he, lo he loved the idea of the line sampler, right? I said, you know, you're gonna have seven sizes imagine you know a seven size line sampler so i've got one of every one of your boxes open so i've got 25 samplers to sell like that and and the other hook was um the way i got cigars from geneva switzerland they were vacuum sealed with a humidipack inside mm -hmm. and so i had i had done that i went to my local tinder box and bought the bought brown labels and i i sealed them and Pete was like, what, what, what is that? And I'm like, that's the way I want to ship because, you know, it's perfect shipping insurance. The cigar is going to arrive just like it, like it would when it left the humidor. He had that pack. I think he still has that pack. I don't think he's ever opened that pack. Um, but he used to tell the story about five years in. He's like, yep, I still got that thing sitting in my office. And the human pack is still soft. I can feel it. <laughs> I I have a black label Melmine jar still that you sent me. That humida pack is still spongy as ever. It's still it's still sealed like that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, Dion so Dion liked that. And and when we got to talking, he's like, when that first comes out, I'm probably not going to be able to get you boxes, but I can get you um cigars and he ended up actually <laughs> he ended up setting up a thing with nhc that we dubbed elos which actually him and pete at basically about the same time um which we kind of dubbed everybody's leftovers which mm -hmm. you know you might consider them factory overruns or something you know without without bands so dion dion got me original cg4s and f9s that were unbanded um i won't say he rejected them but it was you know from when he was playing right Got uh, it. and they they didn't become the final thing and he had bundles of them and he was selling them at his shop in reno then he's like yeah i can get you some of those and you can put those up too so so that that's another nhc legend is 
you know, every once in a while there's old stuff sitting around the factory and we bring them in and do a ELO pack. Um, mm-hmm. And then everybody tries to figure out what the heck they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the cigars that you were purchasing before this, the vacuum seal, the, uh, you, you've, mm-hmm. you've been avoiding it. I'm, I'm, I don't want to step on your toes, Dan, if you're avoiding it for a reason, but, uh, nah. um, the, but it was interesting. I, I heard an interview of you recently where you were talking about, you know, in the early 2000s when you were smoking yep. uh, Cuban cigars, um, you, you were, you know, you were a big fan of uh, a big fan of the stuff that was coming off the island, and you know, obviously you you made your way through all the brands, and you know, you had your favorites, just like many people. But the interesting comment that you made that I, you know, I I think you're the you're the only person that I know that that at least publicly and was a, and is a huge fan of, of those type of cigars that actually admits that the, that the quality and the consistency has severely dropped off even from 20, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Pete will will tell you the same story that, that you heard me tell someone else, which is, you know, first, first of all, I had never had one until, you know, I was a member of the grand Havana room in, Beverly Hills with with Pete he got me into the into the club and um that was the someone someone there gave me a stick once and um that was the first Cuban I, that I had had and um and then I found this site <laughs> if you've heard this story stop me but I, I found this site so I'm, I'm traveling at the, at the time I'm traveling between Columbus Ohio and LA back and forth every weekend I had an apartment in LA and I had house house here and I was going out there and I was taking acting classes and then I stumbled onto the Grand Havana room um, location I wanted to see where it was and Pete was running the cigar shop down on the ground floor which I didn't know existed and I stopped in and we hit it off and I smoked a cigar and then I started doing that every week and then I don't know months later he got me in the club and then I started hanging out up there and that's the first time someone had given me something um, and so I go, I go back home and I'm trying to research how the heck do you even get that. Right. And I stumbled upon top Cubans, um, and it's, they're out of Geneva, Switzerland and a buddy of mine here. And I started ordering from them and I would, I would order like four boxes and they would come in and I would take them to LA. And the first time I took them to LA, I put them in my locker. Pete met me up at the club that evening and I laid four sticks out in front of him and four sticks in front of me. None of these are banded by the way. And he starts looking at him and he's like, where'd you get these? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know if they were real. Right. I'm just, you know, ordering something online from Geneva, Switzerland. I didn't know what to trust or what not to trust. And he stared at these sticks. He looked at them, he's smelling them and he named every one of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> blind blind like that he named he named every one of them and didn't like, smoke oh. it just just on the look just on the look and oh that's we, incredible and then we started smoking through them and he was dumbfounded he's like dude these are these are way better than what anybody gets out here um and so then my friend here in town and i we, you know <laughs> we kind of got in this weekly or bi-weekly habit of ordering and we'd split an order right and then we, that's all, so that's all we were smoking. And, I, and kind of our goal was 
Like we've never had any of these. Let's make our way through all the brands and all the sizes that we can. And so we, and we had our favorites. Like we always ordered Partagas shorts and we, you know, mm-hmm. we very often ordered Partagas series D's. And when Cohibas were on sale, they weren't anything like what they are now. They were actually reasonable. So we'd get Cohiba Robustos because those were the only ones that would smoke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so there was always a little bit of that, right? Like if you got Esplendidos, you might get, might get four or five sticks out of the box that you had the experience that you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. But back then that was 01 to 03. And, and I didn't smoke any domestic stuff during that two, I'd say two year time frame, um, because I was, it, it's kind of like when I wanted to get into Scot- single malt scotch. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, it's kind of like the bourbon or the beer piece, yeah, right? Yeah. You just, you take a nosedive and, and go down the rabbit hole and it was a <clears> learning, <throat> learning experience. But man, shortly after that, once Pete started his brand and then I'm like, man, I don't even know what what's in the domestic realm anymore. Let's jump back into it. So my friend and I <laughs> did that and then we, you know, we were following Pete's stuff. I stopped traveling by the 03 and um, he started his brand and I was following it. And, you know, I had a local tinderbox here that was one of his first clients. So they always had him. And um, so we jumped back in the domestic realm and every once in a while we would order after that and it just declined and declined. And, and then I was like, okay, I'm done with that. Um, mm. It's just, they're ammo- they were ammonia ridden and, you know, people were like, well, you got to sit on them for five years. And I'm like, we never sat on them. We used to just buy them and smoke them. They were good. Mm-hmm. They're just using young tobacco now. And it's not going to get better. The, once the stick is rolled, you can sit on it for five years and it's definitely going to change. But the fact that the, the ammonia had never blown off of the tobacco in the processing of it, that ain't changing. Right, I mean, right. you know, it might it might have dissipated some, but it's still not good tobacco. <laughs> right. And so, you know, with an, with some exceptions, there aren't, there aren't many that I've really cared for, for easily 10 years or more now. Right. Um, so Casey, I want to bring you in to say, I don't know if you remember that you and I actually had this discussion at Michael's a couple of years ago about the, the, the Cuban um, acceptance, right. Where like, people will buy a box knowing that four of 10 or, you know, 10 of 20 are smokable. And, and I, and I'm interested to get, uh, we had Casey and I had this, this discussion, Dan, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Can you imagine, because people are so forgiving of that, of that, uh, of that fallacy. I mean, let's call it what Mm -hmm. it is of that fallacy, but can you imagine if, someone bought a box of surrogates and said you know like oh they're great uh you know the 10 of the 20 are great you know or four of the 10 latilliers or four you know five of the 15 of the latilliers are are fantastic i mean right it 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 wouldn't even get off the ground we wouldn't we the three of us probably wouldn't even be talking right right it would be rightfully unacceptable right Right. Why are but why do you why are so unfree? Yeah, go please, Casey. Go please. Take it. No, on. no. That's it's the beauty of using the factory we use too, and and a lot of the factories that are down there uh, have learned consistency and 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 the love of the of of what they do. Um, yeah, it'd be an instant DM, 
and uh and i'll never smoke your brand again if that ever happened and uh we're we're we're, we're blessed to to have a factory that uh believes in the consistency piece so dan can attest to that too yeah and i mean and to be fair all around the market from yeah absolutely the dominican honduras and nicaragua i mean that that is not an acceptable thing i mean no like, I, I'm in my head going, uh, yeah, I don't, I actually don't know of any brands that, right. that I'm like, yeah, dude, you, you, have you tried to smoke one of those? They don't even smoke. Yeah. I, the, the bar set high and uh, it, it's great that we all set the bar high. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and... I think it's like expectation, right? So like the expectation of the domestic market is that it, it's excellence, right? It's, it's excellence mm -hmm. and consistency. Or is the expectation of them and the mystique behind the the Cuban brand is like, oh well, you you you'll get lucky if you you know you you, you bat your weight a little bit with those yeah, with those right, boxes. Right. Um, some some interesting thoughts there. So um, so K Casey, bringing you back into to the the timeline here. So 2012 comes. You're not even well aware of the press release that comes out. Press release comes <laughs> out. You have to tell your boss uh, that yep. is going on. So what um what was the first thing in your mind as far as where this was not where this was starting because it obviously had started, but where, where did you see it going in 2012? You know, here we are eight years later, where did it, where did you see it? Well, I think we were looking at these training wheels pretty much, you know, we, we going into the show, we didn't have huge ex expectations. Um, but when we left the show, we were floored. I think my brother actually sat back in his booth and kind of chuckled at the three of us working in our tiny little cubicle, writing orders left and right, writing orders. And, and it was, it was gangbusters. It was great. So um, after that, it was hitting the road. Uh, I cut my teeth. I, I kind of repped where uh, our, our rep Mo is now in New York, New Jersey, and uh, learned a lot about sales in tobacco and uh, promotion. And uh, I can't think of a, a, a tougher market to, to do it in too. Uh, it, it was hard. It was, it was interesting. Um, plus I got to really, you know, hear um, my brother didn't have a rep in that territory. So I got to hear the, the, either the positives or the negatives of not having a rep in that territory, you know? Uh, so I was doing double duty. I was, I was dabbling in the tat side and, uh, and, and pushing, um, or promoting our, our brand on the road. You know, my, I, I did an event at, uh, oh, oh goodness gracious. Uh, uh, what's, uh, what's Mo's old hangout, Dan? I'm, I'm losing my Francis mind. Francisco's? No, no, the one up in Union. Danny. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Senior moment here. I know. That so shop. I did an event there. What? That shop. <laughs> that shop, right? No, no. Danny, uh, Danny had me come in and do an event, and it was it was solely lat and uh, and uh, surrogates, and uh, you know, uh, on the lat side, it was at the time a very medium, you know, for, for the market, people didn't understand it as a whole. And they're like, I, I only smoke full body. I only smoke strong cigars. And I'm like, okay, now I have to learn the art of, 
introducing cigars to customers and talking the talk and uh, it, it was it was fun but it's blown up from there and it, that's where i got go back to what we talked about earlier the relationship piece with retailers and end consumers and being able to to openly talk about our product and the story about pete and the story about dan and then the story about atelier the the workshop um and it's grown from there so so you talk about those early events, Casey, and you know, we were talking about your events, you know, at the very top of the show. And we were talking about the, this, 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 this rock star mentality. Like what were some of those first events? Like, I mean, did they, were they, did they catch you off guard with how, how, how big they were? I mean, was it, I mean, was it kind of an eye opening experience in that regard or, or, you know? Yeah. yeah. When I, when I travel with Pete or Pete and Dan, um, yeah, it was, it was eye-opening, um, uh, because, you know, Hey, listen, he's still my little brother. And, <laughs> and, and you know, when you, you come from Maine and you, you, uh, most of the people, you know, in that little circle in Maine still think your brother owns a tobacco shop. Right. Uh, and he's, he's, he's making pipe tobacco. No, 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 no. This is a brand. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's quite amazing to see the maturation. You know, uh, I learned a lot about the history of my brother's brand from just YouTubing and uh, paying attention to guys like you uh, and interviews with Pete. So, you know, and Dan was a different history. I, I kind of, Dan and I kind of hit it off when we met in Nicaragua. So it was a different beast, different relationship. So, yeah. And I, and I knew the product from selling it and from following it you know, from 2003 on as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, I, I became early, even early on when we were traveling and it was, you're out there trying to pimp Atelier and surrogates. Um, it quickly became a Tatuaje venture, right? Because yeah. I could answer all of the questions about all those other lines that were sitting on the table, you know, from Brown, mm -hmm. Brown and Red Label and Cabai Juan the whole way through Fausto and, Larry Kaza and all the all the other stuff that was on the table at the time, and right. so that you know that that became my shtick was you know ask me about any of that stuff because I know all that stuff, um, which and you're really promoting well with the, the reps, right? And that worked well with the reps too because you know right. they a lot of them rep other brands as well, so they might not be as versed in all of, all of that other stuff on the table, even though they're selling it you know they're they're versed in it but they might not know the stories about you know when it started yeah. how it started why what you know what's really what was really behind it until they mm -hmm. hear it again and then they're like yeah 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 that um yeah so, you know and i was i was just engulfed in all that from from the get-go mm -hmm. which which brings us bear to like now that everything is all under the same umbrella that that is you know, that does become our role. You know, it, yeah. it, it's easy because everything is a, you know, a Havana Sellers event, a Tatawahe event. So, right. Um, and, the, you know, that works, that works great. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, my personal, my personal history with the three of you all, uh, Dan's actually the, the person that I had the, the most interaction with initially. Uh, you guys came and did an event at Michael's and, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Pete was uh, was you know um, 
cornered by several other individuals and uh, Casey was also uh, cornered by several other individuals as well. And, and, but luckily I had the good fortune to, to, to have a conversation with Jen. And I, I, I remember walking away from that conversation thinking um, just, I mean, just how like incredibly impressed I was with just our, I mean, our entire discussion revolved around, flavor and flavor components it had i mean i don't even think we really even talked about cigars necessarily it was just all about our palate and exploring our palate and what cigars you know and what you know what tobaccos actually really kind of you know hit our you know hit our palate the way that we liked and uh and uh and it was it was by far one of the best conversations i've ever had in an event um and and so I think that that's, that kind of goes into the, to the point about what you guys bring to these events that we were talking about is that you guys have these, you have very, un, the three of y'all have very unique characteristics uh, and you kind of have your own very unique style about it as well. And you guys bring something very different to the table, each and every one of you. And I think that's what makes you guys very appealing overall. Mm-hmm. Um, bring, but you guys are very open about this tonight and i i have to commend you because there's a lot of times when there's a departure or a parting of a party inside of a company and it's like that person's history kind of gets erased it's like they don't exist anymore like in and that their 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 key part of a company is no longer relevant and that couldn't be further from the truth with casper's role in the beginning of the yes. uh, Latelier, Surrogates, uh, Tatawahe um, journey and everything. So you, talk a little bit about, uh, Casey, if you will, like what, what was Casper's role early on as far as with the launch of these two new brands and, and how, did he, how did he actually spearhead it to, to where it would eventually become, and we'll talk about 2018 here in a second, but in, in, from, from 2012 to 2018, what what role did Casper play inside of the, this world that you guys created? He was the logistical guy. He was kind of the glue that kept everything together in L.A. for us as a small venture. So Atelier, he was micro-focused on that piece. Um, and he'd keep us engaged in that all the time. Um, on top of getting product out the door, uh, talking to customers on the phone, um, he was he was a pivotal part i mean if 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 he wasn't there i i don't know what we have you know as a whole we probably would have been engulfed by takawaii earlier um he uh you know it, it wasn't all he he enjoyed cigars he knows cigars but it was really the logistics you know the shipping piece uh you know the the bands uh you know staying in touch with pete constantly um, you know, who is managing this massive company on one side for this small company to grow. And uh, without Casper, I don't think the growth would have been um, as quick or, or, you know, been able to been handled as well by him. And then he was, uh, he was involved at the factory when we would go down, you know, on blending trips in the yep. same in the same way that we were so that yes that was the true nature of the workshop like pete pete joked early on that you know every decision that we that we made would be you know a it would need a majority vote but he would always be able to break the majority if he felt he that strongly about it right, and, he never, right. and he never did he never said no. no no the three of you are wrong we need to do this he, no. he kind of went along with oh yeah 
if you guys want to do that, let's do that. Okay. Um, But, you know, now you've got four pallets, you know, down there and you're working on a thing and Mm -hmm. you've got four different personalities. Like, Mm -hmm. like if, if we, if we call Pete type A, then I'm little A. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Casey Casey and Sean both had their their own realm of you know nobody followed right like everybody I was devil's advocate I always played devil's advocate like yeah but was my thing right like yeah like an improv troupe like yeah Mm -hmm. but such and such right and so I was always throwing that that into the realm but none of us could be satisfied without satisfying our palates. So now mm-hmm. you've got four kind of distinct palates, kind of. I mean, we had a lot of commonality, but like, yeah. we, you know, I, I think I've told this story 5 million times, so forgive me, but like when we were, when we were blending the Atelier Maduro, you know, mm-hmm. that was going to be a broadleaf stick. And we had three or four blends that you know pete was trying on us and we all tasted them and then we all went to the factory together and it was like you know the elephant in the room was none of us were happy with any of them we liked them we didn't love them and we had to love them and so i you know i brought up the elephant in the room and said okay we can release this and we'll happily release it Mm-hmm. But we're not going to be like a hundred percent behind it. Right. And then, yeah, everybody's nodding their head because yes, no tweaks needed to be made or something else needed to be tried because it was just a broadleaf stick. And we already had broadleaf sticks in the Tatawai umbrella and it didn't taste like that. And it was still a medium bodied broadleaf stick, but it was overwhelmingly broadleaf. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we just started spitballing ideas and, and I, I threw out, let's let's change up one of the binders what if we put sunken spiritus in one of the binders and pete's like i don't know i don't know what would happen let's try it right and then that became a thing happy accident the bear it's always happy accident right like out comes this sample with one of the two binder leaves being sancti spiritus and all of us fell in love with it like immediately um, mm-hmm. And then I rem- and then I still remember playing devil's advocate, and I said, "Hey Pete, which one of the two binder leaves is Sancti Spiritus?" And he's like, "I got. I'm gonna have to go ask whether they, you know, use the upper or the lower one." Um, right. And I remember Sean looking at me at the time, going, "What the hell? Like, why would that matter?" <laughs> and I laughed and I went, "I only, I time. only know that because I was down here with Pete when he right. switched." two binders and it made all the difference and so yeah. I, I learned that like again as a happy accident as a bystander right going down to the factory with pete testing some blends that he was working on just as right. a palette long before atelier and um so i threw that out there and you know he went and checked and i still to this day i forget i forget which one it is um but because pete said do you want to flop them and see you know see if it's any better and I'm like, I don't really want to change anything. We were all like, no, no that's, this is, this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is the thing. This is the magic juice that we were looking for, right? But yeah. that's my, that was my point. We couldn't settle until, until we, we, we walked away from there, going so barnyard hay, yeah, <laughs> against chocolate, right? Yeah. And, and how yeah. does that work? And and it did. 
and uh, yeah, to this day, that's you know, we put it to 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 rest. We put it on the shelf for a little while, but uh, it, we'll see that again someday. Yeah, and then and then that went one step further, and we were drinking and talking, and out came. What if we use Sancti Spiritus every time we do something new? Like, exactly. Because you've got the wrapper, you've got binder, and you've got filler. It mm-hmm. can be in any one of those components. Mm-hmm. And that could be a marketing hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, let's always use Sancti Spiritus. That's our thing, yeah. right? That's and our thing. At one point, we did Identite, where we had, we did that as an event stick first, right? A three-pack mm-hmm. event stick. And then we wanted to release it, which we did for a while. And we've shelved that for a little while. But mm-hmm. that had a Sancti Spiritus wrapper. One of the two binder leaves was Sancti, had Sancti Spiritus. And, yep. it was, and it was one of the leaves in the filler as well. And all throughout we called that identity. Like that's, that's the identity of Atelier, yeah. is that we're yeah. always going to use Sancti Spiritus somewhere. somewhere. That cigar was incredible. I really loved it. Yeah. Let's, speaking about the Maduro, KC and I talked about this last time it was on KC, uh, KC was on my show, and uh, let's talk about it again for just a minute. Um, now, I've had I've had subsequent uh, Maduro cigars since that have had this, but at the time, the thing that I that really that really popped in your mind, and I'll I'll, I'll go on a limb here. I think it's the lower. By the way, for if you're if you're if we're having trouble remembering what binder it is, I think the Sancti Spiritus is the lower. And I, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I, I think it is because <laughs> the the unique, the very unique characteristic of Latelier Maduro that I found was the I've never until that point, and I've had some since that have had this characteristic. But this was the first time ever that I smoked a cigar, a Maduro cigar that the the retro hail had a this floral component to it that was just unbelievably unique you just never got that out of a maduro cigar mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it's san andreas maduro it didn't matter if it's broadleaf maduro it didn't yeah. matter um i just never experienced that and that was the thing that really grabbed my attention like for, i remember when tracy spence handed me a latelier maduro for the first time he's like smoke it and tell me what you think and we were smoking it together and he's like what do you think about that retro and i was like this is this is really this is a maduro like i even asked him i was like this is the this is a maduro because he gave it to me without the label on and uh and he's like yes and i was like this is this is really floral are you getting floral am i just crazy he's like no i get it too he's like isn't that crazy and i said yeah it's really nuts even even to the extent of getting a little bit of mint every once in a while a hint yeah. of, of that and, yeah. and if you've never had one that's like really aged Find somebody that's got a really old box of them. Like I'm talking, mm-hmm. like yellow cello. Um, they are insane. I just smoked. I had, I had two of the middle size. Was that a 54? Yeah, 54. Um, yeah. I had, I had two of them sitting in the humidor. The, the the cello was so yellow that when you pulled it off, the band came right with it. <laughs> and it's always a good so feeling. What, what happens with aged broadleaf is that 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 chocolate, that milk chocolate, that you know oily goodness that we love about broad, you know, dark broadleaf, um, it backs off. The oils mm-hmm. dissipate some over time, mm-hmm. and it still has a chocolate flair, but it's like baking chocolate instead of milk chocolate. Right. And so it's lighter, like cocoa powder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, very light, but it's 
distinctly, distinctly chocolate. And it's a whole different experience. And I'm talking three, four years on something like that. Mm -hmm. And actually that's, that's my note on kind of all, all the broadleaf stuff. So even, even the Tatoahe broadleaf series, like when we originally did those suitcases years ago, sticks out of those right now are stupid. Um, but they're mm-hmm. but they're totally different because of that. Um, yep. But yes, part of that part of that is that it was a medium bodied cigar, you mm-hmm. know, with those kind of accents in it. It was it was not the Atelier blend. It was none of the none of the blends that we had at the time. But the philosophy of it was the same. It's mm-hmm. you know stay. There's no Lajero in there, right? Mm-hmm. And and it, they were all they're all just flavor leaves and lower priming flavor you know flavorful leaves so Mm -hmm. um and then you wrap it in something that is something completely unexpected right Mm -hmm. an oily juicy broadleaf bomb Um, Mm -hmm. absolutely so so going back to uh casper's role within the company dan so like i I wanted to get your reaction on this so in 2018 that just before the merger happens um, you know, Casper leaves, leaves the company, uh, formally, um, at least, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he's still involved in saints and sinners as we talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you all obviously knew about this before the rest of us did Dan, knowing the intricate part that he played in your, you know, surrogates early success and obviously Latelier's early success and everything. What, what were, what were your concerns about, about his departure? What, what, how was your, what was your reaction like? Well, I I, I kind of thought that where we were going was, you know, that it was it was inevitable that we roll that that we roll everything together. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, because we, when we talked in the green room, one of the things that I said was we had clients that, you know, they would bring in atelier, but mm-hmm. they you know, they might have only needed four or five six boxes from our side, but they were ordering twenty. 25 boxes of Tatawai at the time and since their sales rep was there you know they're like oh yeah and I need you know three boxes of lat 52s and you know two boxes of bone crushers whatever right Right. they're like okay well I gotta put that on another form right and then it shipped separately they paid shipping yeah I mean it was a a totally different entity Mm -hmm. and especially the smaller guys were like man, can't you just ship it together so, you know, we can save on shipping? And we're like, well, we're just not built up that way. You know, it's got its own yeah. set of books. And, you know, it it does ship out of the same building, but someone else is doing it. So, no, we can't really do that. Um, so I think we all kind of thought the same thing, which mm-hmm. is, you know, as much as, you know, that was a setback, as you're, uh, you know, as you're saying, um we we all went okay well the way around this is you know kind of where we're heading anyways which is just lop this stuff all together this is this is the time to do and that's what happened Um, really and realistically you know we we have brokers in most of our territories i think we have two in-house guys and uh it was just an easier load for them to handle too less you know less paperwork uh it was streamlined um, you know, I think they lost a little of the, uh, communication piece from the atelier side because Casper was very accessible on the phone to all the retailers, but, 
um, they already knew what they got with Tatuaje. So it was, it was an easy, I think it was an easy transition. Yeah. I mean, um, look at it this way. Tatuaje was always already spilling over to a second sheet of paper as far mm-hmm. as the price list is concerned. Right. Yeah. So now a retailer is looking at it and, and that second page is full, but they were used to looking at two pages already. Um, yeah. And our, you know, our price sheet is still two pages long in such a small font that I need to get my reading glasses out to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on top of that, Pete, you know, decided to, you know, get, put some stuff on hiatus. Um, yeah. You know, earlier before that's, that merge merge happened, Larry Keza, El Triunfador and Ambos Mundos were three, three, three brandings that all went and, you know, away for a while. Well, they're still away, but they could always come back. Larry, Um, Larry Kays, that was so sad for me when Larry Kays left. I was was heartbroken back there. So incredible. Everybody, every, every, everybody says that. And all the guys that work in shops, that was one of their favorite. It was kind of that thing that, that, when it came into the shop, they'd smoke, but they, they never really sold them. They smoked them for themselves. It was, <laughs> it was kind of hilarious. Guilty. But, yeah, no, no, I hear you. I hear uh, you. And that's, uh, that's Pete's wife's favorite, too, is to my understanding as well. She said that I, I heard her say that that was the best cigar that, uh, that Pete's ever made, too. So, um, yeah. but Casey, like, you know, but we, when you heard, when, when Casper told you or when Pete told you that Casper was leaving or anything, what, what was your reaction to his leaving? Like, I guess, how, how did that, how did that impact you? Well, I mean, my day to day was communicating with Dan and Casper. So we did kind of lose that communication line, but it, I mean, our communication with Pete was upped. So, um, it was seamless. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of just little things that Casper always brought to the fold that, that, that was missed. Um, you know, that logistical piece was so good. Um, you know, he was in merch before that, so he could handle the high stress of, of, of the daily. Um, and he was a calming influence, you know, like I said earlier, he was kind of the glue for us. Um, and you know, those are the things that kind of scared me, but it wasn't, it wasn't like we were jumping off a pier into this big ocean. It was this, you know, we're, we're dabbling into this new venture, which is a merger into um, goodness now. Yeah. And by, by that time, Casey and I being on the road, mm-hmm. we were representing the whole portfolio. Absolutely. Ours, ours and, you know, except it was ours and, you know, Havana sellers. Um, mm-hmm. we were, like I alluded to that I, I kind of always, was in that realm um we were full on that was our role at that point mm-hmm. we were out we were out with the sales reps you know on mm-hmm. behalf of both companies whatever but it mm-hmm. felt like we were just doing what we you know continued to do after which is represent all the above things so right so it sounds to me like the dynamic really well this is a huge absence and this was a huge gap and you know casey even mentioned the word uh uh, you know, fear a little bit there of, of uncertainty, but it doesn't sound like the dynamic changed too much with the merger and the loss of one of y'all's key key components in in Casper. It was a loss, but it was it was it was just it was a a transition, I guess. That's the the biggest thing, and it wasn't 
it wasn't a uh, horrible transition in 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 a positive or negative way. It was just part of doing business. And and at that point, the industry was changing a little bit too. So um, because there was a ton on the market at that point in time, so um, we were we were that merger as a whole worked worked for us. I think, Dan. Yeah, I you, you know, know? And I, well, one of the one of the other things that um, prog- the progression was going there anyways, but mm-hmm. it, it's gone there further now. Is that mm-hmm. you know the two the two of us get pulled into Pete's world a little more mm-hmm. uh, or a lot more really with you know everything that's getting released. It's it's everything. It's not just mm-hmm. hey, what do you guys doing on your side right mm-hmm. you know pete had two hats on yes he did he had his havana sellers hat and then he had his atelier hat with us um and then so now like the you know pete casey and i all have a havana sellers hat on right and mm-hmm. so pete's like hey hey what do you think about you know bringing this out next year or you know that kind of stuff which we might have been you know, we might've been asked about, but now it's, you know, it's really part of, you know, more of our job function, I think. Is, right. I yeah. agree. You, you know, Dan, we talked about this in the green room and, and I think you, you, you made a pretty good point that I'd like you to, to talk about. So this is a question that I've been asking recently, uh, just, and I think it's, I think it's poignant considering the, the company that I have right now, you know, when you guys released y'all's brands, you know, when surrogates, you, when you first got your first shipment of surrogates and when Casey first saw the first um, shipment of Latelier, I mean, what was that? I mean, the, they, these, were, these weren't your cigars anymore. They were sold to somebody else. But when you opened up that box and you, you were going to ship it off for the very first time to someone, you mentioned that this was, you know, again, logistically speaking, there's more Casper's role and everything. But what was, what was that feeling like when you saw this, the fruits of your labor? And it was in your hands at one second and out the door the next. Like, what, yeah. what was that feeling like? My, my, re- my strong recollection when you asked that question was the factory. Because mm-hmm. we were down there when they were first packaging some of that stuff, right? And I remember sitting there with my phone and my camera just taking pictures, pictures, pictures. Because this thing that you created and came up with as a group is now being packaged. It's like, that's the product, right? Um, right the first shipment that would have came up from Nicaragua landed in LA and got unboxed and put on the shelves and get ready to be shipped. That's that, that would have been all visceral experience for, you know, Casper because, you know, he would have, he would have boxed up that first order that was going out to a retailer. And then Casey and I would have seen that side of it as it was on a retailer's shelf. So we have that memory as well, but and it, it was, it was, the, I, I, you know, again, my degree was in education is, and I, and Dan and I have talked about this before, and it, it's the educational piece where we're on boots on the ground in the shops, educating, not just the end consumer, the retailer and our reps as a whole. We talked about that earlier too. So that was a, that's a big piece. That that's kind of the role that we fit into now a little bit more. Yeah. So I mean, does so now that you guys are several releases in, several years in now, I mean, does that feeling ever get old? 
No. No, not at all. <laughs> still, is it still? It's still special. Even time, you know, every yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, dude, when I mean, when when the new ateliers came in, and of course I got a shipment of them, um, in you know like three sets of boxes, right? And mm -hmm. and I hadn't actually. Well, Pete had sent us pictures of the bands, but I hadn't physically seen the band because it mm -hmm. got created, sent sent down to Nicaragua, and up comes this shipment and you saw how they you know the new packaging so even just mm -hmm. that two months ago was that same kind of experience it was like oh my god check this out i'm yeah taking snapshots of them sending them to casey because he hadn't actually seen you know yeah the, i mean this was all packaging covid that we started the, yeah. the design of the band and whatnot yep. and this was all planned before and then kind of not a hold up but uh you know it got you know pushed back a little bit into uh what a october late october release yeah. november I mean, if all, release if all three of us were in miami because pete's in miami now but you know go back a couple of years if all three of us were in la we would have you know seen that mm -hmm. sample of paper product and all that kind of stuff pete saw it he sent it to us and you know yeah but you didn't actually you didn't actually see that new that new we didn't actually see this this new band until mm -hmm. it was actually you know on a cigar so it's gorgeous. I love it. I you know, absolutely you, love it. So that that's kind of what you're getting at. You know, you visualize this stuff, but until you mm -hmm. see it all in one unit, right? With the paper in it and the ribbons and all that kind of stuff. That's why if you see it at the factory while it's happening, there's an experience there. In this sense, you know, we 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 didn't go down at all this year. Um, so here here it was, you know, you again you're either seeing it in a shop or if you're, you know, for me, I was lucky enough that I, I had it coming in as well. Right. Um, right. Plus Pete's been sending me all the new stuff to take pictures of. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Dan, I can't wait to have you. Cause I, there's a lot more things that I'd love to explore with surrogates, but uh, we've, um, I don't want to keep you guys too, uh, too late. And we're already, uh, we're already creeping up late as it is, but, uh, I, I did want to go into our next subject, uh, uh, which of course is one of the fun segments that I love to do. And we've been doing it now for over six months here on LLS Fumar Takes. And that's our one must go segment. And, and as always, it's always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living United. Now, gentlemen, I, I told you about the concept of this segment, and as my audience knows, it's it it's, can be uh, it can be really fun, and then it can be really difficult, and sometimes it can be heartbreaking because you're I'm asking you to get rid of something, and uh -oh. so I was thinking I, I try to mold this after my guests, uh, you know, tastes or likes or dislikes and and things or, and so I I, I thought this was kind of interesting take considering um, um, your. Uh, um, the three of you guys have very unique characteristics, but there's a, there's likes that, uh, that kind of have brought you all together. And so I thought of three things. And so one of these has to go. Okay. So here, here are your three things to choose from. You can never own another dog. Oh boy. You could, <laughs> you can never create another cigar brand. Or you can never drink another glass of bourbon. Which one goes? I'd let the bourbon go. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy from both y'all. 
Yeah, no, the bourbon, the bourbon is is a big thing that I could let go. You know, yeah, yeah. As much as as much as we both like that, I've got replacements for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've got, wine, I've got wine, beer, scotch. Uh, yeah. Dan, Dan's already taken inventory of his of his liquor yeah. cabinet. He's like, oh, I'm good. Absolutely, I'm good. I feel the same way. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I get the wine piece. I get, I get uh, you know, other other alcohols that I could do. But uh, yeah, the bourbon can go. I I couldn't live without a dog, and I, I definitely uh, enjoy what we're doing as a group. Um, so yeah, the bourbon. That's can a great. Go. That's a great question, though. It is. So, so I'll call I'll call a quick audible here. <laughs> okay. so let's just say drink any and another glass of anything alcoholic would it still be cool. that one i got coffee <laughs> <laughs> i got coffee what about you dan if i call that audible what is it still the same is it still the same choice yeah probably yeah probably yeah yeah because in the morning I smoke you got a your hell of a lot more than i drink so yeah you know, and yeah, again, just the, you know, back to what you were getting at, which is the excitement of, you know, this new thing um, and just, just, you know, everything involved um, with what we're doing and the industry in general. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd give up drinking. Like, I don't, yeah, I mean, this, this, as yeah. fun as it is, I don't need that. <laughs> right. You know, again, the dog piece is the dog piece. I'm a dog owner. Dan's a dog owner. Um the 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 bourbon the alcohol can go but there's just so much fun working with you know pete and 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 dan uh just trying new things out talking about implementation into the market you know um just so much fun and and working with the factory that we work with is tremendous also uh the garcias have just uh you know i I had this, I had one of my sales reps in Florida say the other day, he goes, dude, the tobacco is just amazing right now. And I had to agree with him. It's, 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 it's the tobacco is talking right now. Um, I got to throw an audible out, Casey. Yeah. If we, if we give up alcohol, we might not have as many great ideas. <laughs> I, yeah, this just, I was just yeah. about to say that, Dad. You took the words out well, of my mouth because I, I hear well, about all these brainstorming sessions and they're all they, over a bottle they, of wine or something. They are definitely, they are. Yeah, they Seriously, are. the, the uh, animal cracker probably <laughs> was the drunkest we had been in a long time. And I think uh, the sales manager for the northeast for my father was sick in his in his bedroom in nicaragua and dan are, dan and i are outside the patio next to him and we're just going on you know, at one point at one point we were sitting on the floor in the hallway of yep what what was it what's the old hotel los arcos yeah that was, that was an old no 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 we we were not staying there it was the dry hotel i can't even remember what it was we ended up you're right drunk. you're right it was the other yeah. one yeah, I can't remember. Well, that's the, the only time. That. That's the only time we ever stayed there. Yep. And they yep. wouldn't let us drink there. So. Nope. We were already drunk. <laughs> we got back from the farm and we had enough to drink at that point. And so we 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 had been blending this big six by sixty, and you know, Animal Cracker was definitely one of the one of the names that was being thrown around. But mm -hmm. I had a I had a list on my phone of like 20 stupid names that we had thrown <laughs> out and we went we went back to the factory the next day and I was 
reading down through them all and everybody was like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's good yeah no that's good and then animal cracker and i was like yeah nothing beats that really it has to be that <laughs> hands down hands down so um as as my audience knows i um i experienced dan what you uh, unfortunately experienced um prior to the release of AKC uh, uh, this past uh, September, I lost, I lost my, my best girl, my dog. Um, we had to put her down um, and it was, uh, it still, it still hurts to this day. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and it probably will, will hurt for probably years to come and everything. But I, I really, I've, I really like what you and Pete have really done um, by just carrying on the legacy of what those, what those, what our best friends have meant to us. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about the AKC for just a second. Cause I know it's a very special and personal project for you. What, what was it like, uh, you know, after seeing uh, what Pete was able to do with his brand in, um, you know, immortalizing his best friend, what was it like for you to, to release the AKC to the public? It, it was the same. It was a, that was, that was a box that when it showed up, that was a tearjerker, right? seeing seeing and opening that first box of those was you know kind of like walk out of the room um, mm -hmm. and then go back in and get one to smoke it um but uh but the the project itself you know i i i told pete when when we had to put kenji down i said you know i'm gonna have to do a kenji cigar right and he went yeah 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 definitely and so we started talking about what it would what you know what kind of blend we would want to do and all that kind of stuff. And he got some samples up and um, he's like, he's like, what are you going to call this? And I said, AKC. Well, he always thought AKC meant a Kenji cigar, but to me it was the perfect surrogate name because Kenji was a, he was a Mastador. He was Mastiff and Labrador, but we got him from the pound as a puppy. So we had no idea what he, what he really was. They were calling him a Mastiff mix. Right. But the vet was immediately like, "No, this is this is a mastador. They actually breed them that way," mm -hmm. and um, and so the fact that he could have never been an AKC registered, you know, dog because they don't, you know, mm -hmm. they, yeah, they unless they're purebred, they don't, yeah, yeah they don't they recognize don't, they, them. Yeah. So that was like the perfect name for me was like a a pun on AKC, but <laughs> it it was you know weeks after we decided that we were doing that 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 Pete's like holy crap, I always just thought you meant that that meant a Kenji cigar. And I'm like, well, see, that's like the perfect name then, right? Mm -hmm. Double entendre. Right. I, you know, I was, I was smoking that cigar with a few, a few folks and they were talking about how their preference over that versus the animal cracker. I was like, I, you can't do that. I was like, you can't. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to speak for Dan here, but you can't. You, you you can't compare the two because this one is this one's deeply personal to him and it's a different it's a different entity altogether you know yeah, right? I mean, every, everything came about like you know he was a he was a reverse brindle so you know black with brown instead you know instead of the light brindle and um you know we, pete and i started talking about rappers and i'm like do we have any san andreas rapper that's like really muddled like almost ugly and he's like, not really, man. And I'm like, yeah, but still San Andreas just kind of has that, that feel about it. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. It tastes muddled. Right. It tastes, it's got grit to it. It's sandy and whatnot. Um, you know, and, 
I didn't want to do another six by 60 because I wanted it to be my cigar and I don't smoke six by 60 that much at all either. I'm like you, um, but I still wanted it to be big. I mean, he was, you know, he was a big, big blocky guy. So every, <laughs> everything about that, yeah. you know, made totally. sense. And, you know, animal cracker is the base of the blend. Um, it's just tweaked to, um, to match San Andreas some more. So absolutely awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you. That was our that was our one must go segment. Uh, as always, yeah, that was easy. Yeah, easy one. <laughs> Easily, no no contemplating whatsoever. But uh, still, yeah. still interesting though. <laughs> and I still I still got to go back to. I don't know how many great ideas we have without without drinking at all. But <laughs> we get there. <laughs> and as always, uh, one must go is always brought to you by United Cigars, uh, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, and the highly uh, Garofalo and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united. And rest assured, everyone, while they would give away alcohol very easily, uh, this mm. is not a real thing. They're, they're <laughs> great ideas still to come from uh, the folks at uh, Havana Cellars for sure. So. <laughs> Uh, goes into our, our our next segment here is you know we were talking about uh, this this recent thing that on Ellis Fumar takes what I've been asking my guests to do is is spotlight something very personal to them and that of course is charities and nonprofits and it started on my birthday just a couple months ago um, where I was I've really been inspired by a lot of conversations and a lot of folks in this industry to uh, to give back in a way and I. I, I I, I really have been contemplating on this for a long time. Like how, how can I take this show and, 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 and utilize it in that fashion? And so it, it kind of came to me rather organically and, it, and it's been, a, it's been beautiful so far. We've been able to spotlight some incredible charities and uh, this uh, tonight will be no different. Um, so I, I asked my guests tonight if they would like to spotlight a couple of charities. And it, unfortunately, it was a little last minute, but they were very, uh, very much on board with uh, bringing some some light to a couple of charities. One that we've actually featured already, which I'm really excited to talk to Dan about here in just a minute. But uh, but Casey, you you actually wanted to choose a spotlight, a very popular charity. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, but then I want to hear from you on why you chose it. And that, of course, is the Salvation Army. Now, the Salvation Army is a very widely renowned uh, a charity that's been around for over 150 years. It started in 1865. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been around for 155 years, by, and it was founded by William and Catherine Booth. And mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is that the Salvation Army is actually a church. It's not just a charity. Mm -hmm. It's actually a church. And uh, they're they're their claim to fame, if you will, is, you know, what they do is the, it's a movement. It's an ideological part of the universal Christian church. It's a message is based on the Bible, but it's ministry is motivated to help anyone, whenever, wherever, and however possible. An incredible, incredibly daunting task when you think about all the needs in this world. And Absolutely. They, they spotlight everything, including their, the, around this time of year, uh, the Rescue Christmas um, mm -hmm. um, uh, initiative. But, you know, they also do disaster relief, homeless shelters, food pantries, grassroots mm -hmm. service, camps, drug and alcohol rehabs, spiritual healing, job training, services for the aging, veteran services, after school programs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It is just an incredible organization. Um, 
so Casey, why did you choose the Salvation Army and what, what, what motivated you to, to kind of spotlight them tonight? Well, I mean, we've, we've seen them, you know, their, their, their Rescue Christmas piece has been synonymous. I mean, people know that. Um, the Red Kettles, man. What, yeah, absolutely. And um, realistically, Frank Stelter, um, we used to do the turkey trot with him. And this is actually the first year we had them. Um, and he has always donated and because, and he brought it to my attention that it is when given locally, it hits that market or it hits that area and, uh, it's not spread out nationally. Um, it's specific and, uh, and I really, I think that's important. Um, and for, for me, um, when you spread it out too thin and, and, and their causes are, are so good. I mean, it, it, it's well-rounded. Um, it, it just, it's an important piece for me with it, when it comes to that. So. Have you uh, been able to uh, get involved with the, uh, the Salvation Arm, Army there locally in Maine? Is that? Uh, no, no. Um, my parents have, my dad, uh, has, has worked with, with the school systems, um, you know, helping, um, that as a whole. Um, but no, um, not, not really. Um, this is the first real holiday period where, you know, it's, it's been a teaching tool for my kids, teaching my kids about giving back and giving locally. Um, and, uh, I just find it that because they keep it so local, um, it is, it's, it's, it's important. You know, you look at, at, at charities like Goodwill and whatnot, which is, is, is a different beast. Uh, this one's true. And it's, it, it's, you know, been around for a, a huge amount of time. Um, uh, and it's shown, it's, uh, shown its impact. It's an incredible organization. I'm really excited about it. Absolutely. And and as always, gentlemen, I, I, you guys don't, may not know about this, but I've I've pledged. Uh, to, I don't know how long I'll be able to keep this going because I'm, I'm I don't have an enormous amount of money, but um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I've pledged that uh, as long as I keep this uh, this going, that I'll be donating a small amount to each charity that's spotlighted on uh, oh, that's on cool. this show. So. Um, really encourage everyone to to donate. Um, uh, it was on the advertisement earlier tonight. Um, on mm -hmm. if you go on our Facebook page, you can go and donate. Click the donate button if you uh, feel so called. A great a great great organization. They as, as I listed off several of their efforts uh, around mm -hmm. the world and around your community. Uh, particularly now with this season and everything, the red kettles are synonymous as you mentioned with them and everything. And it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a beautiful organization. Uh, including an organization, Dan, that you chose to spotlight tonight. Now, this has been spotlighted before uh, by Bradley Rubin, who was on a couple weeks ago. Um, but this one uh, was, you, you had some really interesting points on it. The World Central Kitchen, uh, which I'm a big advocate for uh, world hunger. I think it's one of the, one of the, one of the worst plagues that, uh, that uh, plague our world that we live in. Um, you know, hunger goes into so many things. It's not just, uh, it's not just children going hungry around the world. It's, 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 you know, when people go hungry that it's not just, it's not just their livelihood, but it's, it's, it's also, you know, 
everything about it. You know, if, if someone, if a child isn't energized uh, and fueled with, with food, they, their, their education suffers, their life suffers. There's, there's just so many things that kind of go into it. Why were you drawn to the World Central Kitchen specifically? And what was it about this organization that, that, uh, that drew you in and, and wanted you to, and that caused you to bring a, a, a spotlight on it tonight? So Jose Andres, who uh, founded it, um, when, when you hear him speak about, you know, the different, the different things that they do, right. Whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, flocking, well, they, dude, they, they flocked down to, you know, all the, all the areas that were hit with, you know, severe storms and, and whatnot. And they just set up, set up kitchens. And, you know, that was, that was, oh, wow. Way back in, uh, when Puerto Rico got hit. Puerto uh-huh. Rico. You know, that's, I think I think that's the first time that it really um, that I caught that I caught wind of it. But most recently I I just saw an interview with him where he was talking about um, you know here here in the United States right now, um, what's what's going on with uh, everyone being out of work and mm-hmm. people who have never asked for food ever. I mean, you see on the national news the the North North Dallas um, food co-op, whatever whatever that organization is that that's doing that. The lines are are crazy, man. It's like it's like people trying to get into a football game. It's bumper to bumper, right. and and you know they're SUVs and you know expensive cars and down and out cars. And I mean, and I'm like, those are people in cars that can sit there and wait for hours waiting to get food because they need food. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Now he, he's not in, I, to my knowledge, that organization isn't involved with that particular thing. It's just an example of how much of a need there is right now. And especially with the holidays and one, a couple, a couple of the points that, that really stuck out to me that he talks about are restaurants, you know, Casey and I just had this conversation about you know restaurants being shut down and how how they're ever dreaming of coming back. Right, they're on that cusp where so many of them are definitely not coming back. And he makes this point that there are farmers in the country that are overturning potatoes, throwing them out, right, because they don't have the buyers for them. There are milk producers that are just chugging out milk. Like we joke about, oh my God, my, my local brewery, you know, doesn't have, the bars are closed. So, so mm-hmm. they're, they're just dumping, you know, a bunch of barrels of brew because, you know, they're, they've got a canning facility, but they don't have that much distribution. They relied on these bars, right? So they're hurting in that realm, but that's, that's like rich people problem. <laughs> that you're local you know feel bad for the local breweries because i'm a beer nut but like that's that's not a that's not an everyday person problem yeah it's not a staple person sure. problem is someone who needs food right. and his one of one of his you know big things that they're they're trying to do is get local restaurants in local areas to keep at it by producing meals for people who need meals and so mm-hmm. The money, so they're taking money that they're getting donated to their organization, and they're they're spending it on local restaurants to create lunches and dinners 
that people can pick up or be delivered by you know by their charity um and and given given back to that industry which in turn gives back to these farmers who are dumping food i mean you you listen to it and you're like it's nuts there there are people producing food and there are people that need food and this shit's getting dumped and these people are going hungry in the united states i mean let alone everything that they do around the world right i mean this this is a big organization but it's it's kind of nuts what they do around the world but when he talks mm-hmm. about just america and what's needed right now i mean it's mm-hmm. it's heart-wrenching but it's also a brilliant take on you know i mean one one of his latest interviews that i saw was you know he was talking about you know covid relief in general and he's like imagine if we had a piece of that money coming back through an organization like this why can't the government do what we're doing why can't they allocate money pay local restaurants to stay in business because they're actually paying them for their business it's not a handout they're saying Mm -hmm. keep producing meals right keep buying from your distributors and from your farmers locally and produce these meals and we or you if you you know had the wherewithal to put a program like this together would be in charge of getting that food out to the people who actually need it and it's it's just a brilliant concept but that's that's the nature of that organization is thinking outside of an of a normal old-fashioned box of yeah i gave some money to you know these people right or the government the government's going to give the milk producer uh, a subsidy because he had to dump milk well that's not the problem the problem is people need milk (laughs) you need you need the farmer needs to be paid for the product and the product needs to go somewhere that's Mm -hmm. just normal business you know reoriented to to the need you know Mm -hmm. we don't need to take government money and give this guy a subsidy because he's forced you know to dump his product and he and he can't sell it give him a place to sell it that's his business that's what he wants to do and and this person down here is in need so take care of it um and so they are doing that but one of his bigger points is we shouldn't have to be doing this we should be doing this as a country and so so yeah like you i'd I, you know, I kind of did the nosedive into the organization and I mean, every, I think everything that they touch is gold right now. Um, but it's, and, 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 and his, his ability to think outside the box in these situations, which our country, our industry, any of this is, is, has been able to do is to think outside the box and do things differently. Yeah. Um, this adversity that we're handling right now is, is amazing. Hear that and I, sure. So I just, uh, mostly Bear, I thought, how timely, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, I, and I, I, when I thought about it, I thought, I don't know how long you had been doing it, but I'll bet someone has brought it up already. <laughs> and so I wasn't surprised when you told me in the green room that someone had, and I'm like, still though, you know, it's coming up, you know, we're two weeks away from holiday meals going into mm-hmm. the new year. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are plenty, there are plenty of, local organizations that you know do this kind of thing but you know they're they're trying to do they're trying to do more of it and they're trying to do it in a way that that you know benefits not just the people in need but you know people that are 
in right, you know, their regular businesses are suffering. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bear brought it up earlier about, you know, food pantries and places like that that have been kind of just ravaged because of this and, and right. kids. Mm-hmm. So my son works with the Activate group, which is kind of work with Key Club. It's the younger group mm-hmm. of, of key members. And uh, they started a food pantry in the school for kids to be able to access at all times, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, again, thinking outside the box, this was started before COVID hit and now it's more important. Than yeah, ever. that's great. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's also very telling. I saw a story earlier this week that uh, that the number one commodity that is being uh, that is being stolen off of shelves um, in this country now is baby food. Wow, really? And that's that's, scary. that's that's scary. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a frightening statistic when you think about it. I mean, there there are there you know. Like I said, world hunger is something is a, is a passion of mine because I again it, it it leads to so many things. You know, hunger leads to so many problems, yep. and solving that can solve a lot of the other subsequent problems. Not that we shouldn't focus our efforts everywhere, but mm-hmm. um, but even in this country specifically, there are there are, there are thousands upon thousands, millions of children that are going hungry each night, and mm-hmm. they're they're worth baby food, baby food is the number one thing getting yeah. stolen. Yeah. Well, you look at look at what school districts are doing now. You know, they're they're teaching virtually, but they're still servicing kids with lunches being brought to um, a central meeting point mm-hmm. to pick up. You know, bus buses are going out to their first drop spot and meeting families and kids, and they're not just serving lunch; they're packing dinners too, and they're having breakfast on, on the front run. So it's 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 amazing um, how much need there is out there. Yeah, Casey, you mentioned that early early this year, like March April mm-hmm. timeframe, when the schools yeah. closed the first time. You said that your school district said, "Okay, well, we have bus drivers, mm-hmm. and you know, they they can't work, so we can keep them yeah. working. We have mean- lunch we have lunch workers, we can keep them working, and we have yep. kids." on food programs and why can't the bus drivers go deliver it and it was a couple weeks after that that i that i heard that locally here that they were going to do that yeah the first time i heard it though was you and your school district yeah and and one of the things is is it is budgeted right so the school districts are saving money on gas you know they're not busing teams all over the place and whatnot so they can pigeonhole this to something yeah. where these kids i mean it's hard enough learning you know remotely for these kids i i have a 16 year old that's struggling with it you know um smart smart kid but this isn't his cup of tea and uh and you know we don't need but i i know that he knows a lot of classmates that are in need and uh he feels for him and, it, and it's hard you know so it's 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 amazing what you know school leaders town leaders you know state leaders are 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 figuring out on the on the go on the job training right um it it is pretty pretty special i'm i'm just um the thing that i'm really inspired by each week is that each week i've 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 been met with different charities in the same in this case a couple of a couple of repeats and it's it's 
it really it really brings to light a lot of different a lot of different issues for one but also brings to light that there you know uh, you know we are in a really fortunate position you talk about your schools uh, in y'all's communities my community in the what we call the heb area which is hearst eulis bedford which is mm -hmm. where michaels is in eulis and it's a school district and uh they were doing meal programs they still are doing meal programs uh, where you can pick up meals and you don't even have to have children. I I'm technically eligible. I have, I have children and I could go mm -hmm. pick up meals um, at these schools. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, my wife and I are fortunate. Thank God we're both, we're both still in work. You know, we both still have, have jobs and, and we're able to provide for our family, which is um, which we're incredibly fortunate for, but you know, it's, it's, it's terrific to see that, you know, families that don't even have children that are attending school yet, Mm -hmm. um be able to be able to feed their families and it's mm -hmm. it, it, it's really great that we're seeing that and to dan's point about world central kitchen is that um is that there's still more work to be done a lot more mm -hmm. work to be done and, and we can so um so thank you both for uh featuring the salvation army and the world central kitchen tonight i really do really do appreciate it. this has been a fantastic fantastic portion so if you guys feel called uh please uh, donate to it. I'm, I'm going to drop them here. Uh, we're going to pull up the uh, the links here in just a second, and, and I'm going to drop them in the chat. I would love for you guys to consider, um, my audience to consider donating uh, to uh, to these two great organizations for all the reasons that we spotlighted here just a moment ago. Uh, what a great opportunity it is um, to, to do that. So uh, World Central Kitchen, and I just dropped that link inside the chat, and then the Salvation Army. You can donate locally, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so you can actually just type in your zip code or city or state. Uh, it's at the very top of the screen um, and, and donate there to, to your local community. And uh, it's just a, just awesome what these two organizations uh, have, have brought to our communities. And so, so keep, uh, mm -hmm. keep up the good work, everybody. Uh, and, uh, and uh, we really, uh, we're with those. If you are in need, here's a couple of organizations that can definitely help you out as well. So uh uh, so thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Very much appreciated. Thank uh, you. I think I think it's absolutely great that you have this as a feature on your show now because and you and I hope that you keep doing it. Um, and I would bet um, without going back and watching every other show, I would bet that what you're seeing is, you know, what we all know is this this industry is very charitable. Um, yeah, whether absolutely. It's, whether it's, you know, us us who you know, are still employed and, you know, the guys, the guys out there who watch this and pay attention and are, are mm -hmm. fans of all of our brands and whatnot that are still fortunate enough to be able to, you know, support their hobby and whatnot. Um, they're, they're the most generous folks, you know, we've met in life, you know, they, they, they help each other, they give to each other in times of need. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's not, and it's not just that. I mean, I think everybody's got everybody's got a big heart and mm -hmm. you, you see that with the industry leaders a lot. Um, and then you see it with the individual, you know, hobbyist, they're, they're just yeah. that kind of person. And mm -hmm. it kind of, I mean, it makes sense. It goes with, with everything, you know, about this hobby. I mean, your local shop, you know, the, the disparate type of people that gather and have this in common right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we all have that story it's like yeah i i can't imagine hanging in a cigar shop and those are all just going to be a bunch of 
old crunchy guys that I have nothing in common with. And it couldn't be more further from that. Right. It's that far reaching piece too. Yeah. It, it, it does reach. I mean, uh, this, this does tend to, yeah. To do but, that. Yeah. It levels, it levels the playing field like nothing else in this world. It really does. And what Facebook's doing really great when you don't, when you tag this donation tag onto your posts and everything, what we've been able to see is, is you can donate as little as $5 to these organizations. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible that you yeah. can donate a little bit and it can go a long ways, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And uh, that's hopefully what my little bit does. Cause again, <laughs> I'm, I'm made of money. Even when I pledged to do this, I, I talked to my wife about it and, uh, and uh, she, she thought that was, she thought it was a really incredible idea. She's like, how much are we going to be donating? Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, it won't, it won't be much at one time, but we'll, we'll be spreading it around quite a bit. And she really liked that idea. So uh, it was, it was really great for us to do. And, and it's the education piece with your kids to learning to give your time, your money to people in need at the, at that point in time. And that's the one thing that I, I, I love about, um, working with young kids and learning about this too you know my son is he's you know he's done multiple things whether it's food bank uh christmas tree sales whatever uh in this hard time and and these kids are learning on the go and they're learning uh that it's important which is great Mm -hmm. absolutely so to, to get back to uh to get to back to Havana sellers here, um, you know, going, I wanted to take a moment to see what reflecting on y'all's careers uh, individually. Um, you know, if, and, it, and this is, I'm sure this is very hard to identify, but what, what would you describe Casey as the key moment in your career in the premium cigar industry? What, what would it be? And, it, and this is a, it's a very open-ended question. It can have several interpretations. So I'm asking for your individual interpretation of it. What, what, what's the key moment, one of the, your key moment in the industry? What would you describe it as? Um, well, been kind of so many. I mean, the key moment, I learned a lot on the job and, um, and, and learning from retailers, learning from, from uh, uh, end consumers, learning from Dan, learning from Pete. Um, the education piece has been key. Um, seeing the growth and the maturation, um, finding my way—you know, those are those are key things for me. Um, nothing, nothing one, not not one thing stands out. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it's a culmination that you know. My dad's a teacher, right? And it's all about education and and learning. And as as uh, as the growth of the brand. You know, Pete has his thing, uh, but we're under this umbrella. Um, the growth of, of what we're doing has just been tremendous. So you still um, coach, right? Yeah, I still coach. Um, I mean, that's I guess that kind of was my role, um, coaching the reps, right? Um, from day one. So um, you know, to be better salesmen, they're always they're all great salesmen. They they have these jobs for a reason but learning to do new things and trying, trying new things. So, yeah, um, I guess, yeah, the, the coaching piece tends to lend into it, but um, the body of work has just been amazing for me. It's, it's, it's a little bit different, 
for Dan, it's probably a little more surgical and, and pointed. I'm, I'm full body. You know, there's that type A for Dan where I'm a little more broad. So, yeah, I, you know, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing that's been that aha. But, um, you know, working with my brother, <laughs> it's been amazing, to be honest with you. There's been days where, you know, we can say otherwise, but, you know, uh, it's been pretty amazing to, to, to see this family thing grow. So recently celebrated his 50th birthday we can't let that go by without mentioning yeah that. i was hoping to get this background thing so i could post the picture that i did on uh on on facebook's and book and instagram uh yeah pretty amazing uh it's a great milestone for him and uh he's matured very much like his wine <laughs> nicely what about you dan what's that key moment for you um so far other than other than just uh being brought into the fold that we're in mm-hmm. i think being brought into the fold of the garcia family yeah i still have a memory of being at the factory early on with pete and we were we were in the room with with jaime and he was speaking in spanish to pete um, and then he, he started, you know, saying, saying some things in English and it was, it was about one of the blends and something that we were working on and he stopped himself and he just kind of glanced over and, you know, Pete followed, followed what he was, you know, getting at, which is, Hey, this guy's in the room. Right. And, and Pete just looked at him and he was like, no, 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 me and hermano family, family. And then he just, that, that was it. He just accepted that and went right, right on saying what he was going to say, which was, you know, something internal that you wouldn't want someone, some outsider hearing. Right. Mm. And, um, and from that moment forward, it was like, yep, you're part of the family now. And mm. again, that was early on. That was before Atelier. I was just a guest at the factory with Pete. And, right. um, you know, I was on a, on a trip with him, but, still it's it stood out that like when you when you get brought into that family and i think you know they're 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 not the only you know it's not the only family in the industry i think everybody kind of has that that same old-fashioned you know you're part of us kind of feel it's not it's not this cutthroat like hey i yeah i worked i worked here now i'm gonna go work there and Hey, that guy offered me more money. I'm going to go take that job. That's, you know, that's, that's the business world. That's what, that's what we escaped from. <laughs> I hated that. Right. I hated that whole concept of like, the, there's no loyalty. There's no anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think that that probably would stand out to me as, you know, there's. And that's early, that's early on. Cause I felt that too. Yeah. And, and, and this industry is very much, uh, done still done on a handshake which is yeah. pretty awesome yeah and not many not many industries can say that and sure, uh, sorry it's, it's pretty cool so I, i'm gonna bring up this uh, picture that you were talking about uh <laughs> casey this is it right yes it is <laughs> awesome um 
I, I, I had a moment where I was trying to decide if this was real or not. And, uh, and I looked, I looked very closely at the photo. First of all, the, the, the pose is uncanny, right? It's, yeah. it's spot on. Um, was this, okay. So the, this picture, this portrait of, of Pete there on the right was, was this just his natural pose or was this, in, was this intentional because it's the, it's the same pose. It, it is. Uh, that's who he is. That's, uh, that's the body posture. That's uh, how he's always been. That's um, crazy. <laughs> it, it, it is crazy. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, Love the tie. You know, he, he was, yeah. And the tie, you know, he, I, I got another picture that I'll share sometime later. I've been keeping it special for a while. It was, uh, it was something that he did with my grandmother's jacket and, and, a, and a glove. I'll give you a hint of that. Right. One. Oh. Glove. <laughs> so, it's already uh, getting a kick it out of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, but you know, that was Pete. He had that swag. He, you know, again, youngest of three, um, you know, elbows at the table. Uh, we, we lived on a prep school, uh, campus when, when my, uh, when my dad first moved to Maine. So, uh, you know, we had the rule of the roost. We, we walked the whole campus, which was expansive and, uh, you know, you, you were always welcomed by the students and the other faculty members we had you know 200 babysitters on campus so we're always but pete had that special little you know persona uh, and that's that's mm -hmm. who he is and 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 that that you know there's another picture of him he has uh uh drinking some uh some juice um you know back in the day it was called it was the duke of juice and the king of crackers there was another kid that they hung out and they were two friends thick as thieves always together um it's pretty cool so but yeah that's that that picture hit me that 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 night before his birthday i was just like damn that that this is uncanny so, so dan you were, i'm gonna i'm gonna step away for just one second but you were talking to me about in the green room about some of your upcoming projects for uh latelier and surrogates uh, why don't you share that with our audience real quick i'm gonna step away for just a second um and uh, I'll be right back, but I want you to share that if you don't mind. So just just two months ago, so you're probably just seeing them out on the shelves now are what we were alluding to earlier, which is the uh, Atelier Selection Special, the one with the darker wrapper um, mm -hmm. in the original three lat sizes, lat 52, lat 54, and lat 56. So that, those are out and about now. Um, we have um shipping tomorrow to retailers is uh two different robusto sets one is a um a tatuaje robustos exclusive robustos exclusivos so six six tatuaje blends all in a five by 50 robusto um and out of those six the only thing that actually is in uh you know a production stick is the havana six uh no it's a no place um so there's a havana six in there but there's there's a brown label and there's a cab i Juan, and there's a a hebrew which is the new mm -hmm. Adidas hebrew um a, a tatuai black label, black and label. A mm -hmm. um, all at the five by 50 size and so we did the same thing and called it surrogates six pack um and out of out of that collection there's one, the Animal Cracker AC550 that we alluded to. Um, it's, it's in there as a 
regular five by 50 Robusto. Um, the AC 550 is a 5x50, but it has a, a Fuma head on the top. And uh, mm -hmm. so, but it, it smokes the same. And, but the other, the other five surrogates that are in there are all in this 5x50 Robusto. And it shows them off, it shows off those projects in a completely different way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, same with the Tatoahe ones. So those are, those are shipping out to retailers this week, um, just in, just in time, hopefully, um, mm -hmm. for you to walk in and grab it for the holidays. Merry Christmas. And, then, and that's going to be, that's, th those are going to keep, you know, the, that, that's regular production, but mm -hmm. we won't see it. We won't see another shipment of them and probably until February. Um, right. The, the Vitolo is really interesting to me, Dan, because I heard an interview once that you did where you talked about your affinity for Robustos in, in other in other lines, this is when you, you know, during your smoking journey, I'll, I'll call yeah. it. So, um, has that always been a, a Vitola that you've gravitated towards or is it? it? It Early on, it was. So, you know, when I first got into cigars, that, that seemed to be the size that, you know, that I acclimated to. Um, but what changed, and it had probably changed during that period where I was trying, trying to, you know, go through those brands from Cuba in all of their and and make my way through that um that's when i started realizing and this is a big soapbox for me and that's why i, I encourage everybody when when something new comes out like when tatuai black label came out um if if what you did was go to that size of cigar that you tend to smoke a lot of you're probably missing your favorite one in a certain line and so that that's my soapbox is, you know, you might have an acclivity towards a Robusto or even, a, you know, I, I like Bellicosos as well, um, more than Torpedoes, but I don't dislike Torpedoes. Um, but in a certain blend, and this goes okay. not just for our brands, but other people's brands as well, I'm always surprised that my favorite cigar out of that lineup of six or seven Vitolas is not the one that I probably would first buy, right? I so I'm in a shop. There's a there's a new line from another company, and I'm like, oh yeah, give me the whatever, right? Whatever I've been smoking size wise a lot of now, uh, I'll try it in that. And if somebody knows me well and they've smoked through all of them, they'll be like, nah, 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 man, try this one. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't, you know, I'm in I'm in the mood for more of a smoke, right? A bigger size. Um, and they're like, yeah, but it, it really rules on, at this size. And then I'm like, yeah, that's my soapbox, right? I got to smoke through all of them. So I, I try to do that rather than just, you know, rate something new based on having smoked one of them. Um, because there, there are certain lines where, you know, not really a six by 60, but like something bigger. Like I just smoked that the lot the lat special selection um in the 56 that's a big cigar for me six and a half mm -hmm. by 56 but when i smoked through all three of them casey asked me he's like he's like the 52 and i went that's the first one i smoked you know it's almost a river <laughs> and um mm -hmm. and i said and it really stood out and then i smoked the 54 and it didn't stand out as much to me and then i smoked the 56 and i'm like holy right. crap that might be yeah. my favorite of the three, 
And then I went back and smoked another 54 and went, yeah, I like it as much. But yeah, I would well, we, I, I would have thought I'm not even going to like this big 56. That's not really my size. But I actually, the, pro- probably out of those three, that's my favorite size. <laughs> yeah, well, we had the same experience with the, the black label, though, the Grand Toro. Yeah, the big the big Grand Toro. That'd be the last stick that I would have tried in that in that lineup. And it's and my I think favorite. it was probably it's the biggest fear of that, that release, right? Yeah. Because I remember Pete talking yeah. about it. He's like, I don't know how this was. That, when I'm doing events, that's one of the top three yeah. that are selling at events. So, yeah. Well, tours I'm are always about popular. that. I still let the dogs out. Oh, no problem. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> no so, problem. I, guess, I guess the bottom line for me is you don't know until you've tried it in different sizes. So like when I smoke another brand that everyone's raving about and I smoke one and I'm like, eh, I like it, but I mean, it's not bowling me over. Right. I don't really know that about that branding or that mm-hmm. blend until I've tried the other sizes because something probably is, if I like something, something in a different size is probably going to blow me away, right? I'll, right. I'll, I'll love it. Not always, but you know, most most of the time, and it and it mm-hmm. might not be the thing that I you know would expect. It might be mm-hmm. a smaller ring gauge that I was like, huh, yeah, it really you know I, I like it so much better at that size. So mm-hmm. I've I've been having that experience for fifteen years now. So <laughs> it's it's a it's a big thing for me now to not just say, yeah, no, I tried one of those, you know. Or if I do, I have to tell you, well, I tried one, but I haven't tried the rest of them. And I liked it, right. but I didn't love it like everybody else is loving it, right? Right. Um, so I, I tell everybody that, you know, you know break, away, break away from your mold and, and, you know, especially if you like it, right? If, mm-hmm. there's, if it's just not your thing, it's, you know, there might be a size that you like, but, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we always talk about your thing is that thing that you love, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there are a lot of cigars out there that we like, but you're you're looking for something that's so special that you want more of it, right? Well, I think that's the thing about the Havana Cellars that's interesting to me. I was thinking about this reflectively before tonight's interview because I was thinking, looking at the cigars that I was going to smoke tonight. You know, the special selection and of course the Animal Cracker that I'm smoking now. And um, the thing I, that I love about um, Tatawahe specifically is I uh, much like Pete I I do I do favor and I do like the more quote unquote connoisseur sizes, the smaller gauges, smaller cigars, mm-hmm. um, and I think that they just they just kind of speak to my palate a little bit more. Whereas like like for instance, Casey, we we're talking about the Grand Kohanu, right? Mm-hmm. In, in comparison to like the Animal Cracker, for example, like what, mm-hmm. what that education was like to your consumers as you were kind of talking about it, and. And it's interesting in the Latelier surrogates, I gravitate more towards my against my quote unquote wheelhouse, right? I the right. animal cracker I dig, the bigger gauges in the Latelier are are definitely my are definitely my favorites of some of the ones that you guys make. And so it's it's interesting that the same again, we were talking about the merger and how seamless this was for you guys, but like even under the same umbrella now, I I, I gravitate towards different cigar uh mm-hmm. Vitolas in uh, with throughout throughout the portfolio, throughout the portfolio, 
um, they just kind of speak to me that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, re recently Pete rolled some uh, Racine blend in the 52, 54, and 56 sizes. Oh, and, wow. And that, that was the telltale, right? That was the same experience. It's like, right. oh, well, <clears throat> we've done that in the connoisseur size. You know, we've done that as a torpedo. We've done that as a short Churchill. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now these three are like completely different. Um, and we may, be, we may bring those out next year. They were mm -hmm. that good. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it'll be a fun project to have. Because originally those those were for what is the PCA now. It was the IPCPR stick when we originally brought it out. It was uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we changed sizes every year. So we were talking a little about this before in the green room as well. And I thought this was an interesting subject because, to, and, and this is my opinion, I think it's inevitable that, that Havana Cellars gets a number one cigar of the year from Cigar Aficionado. And you, uh, you were talking about the La Mission, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the show and how it scored incredibly well this year and how it's, it's all, I mean, it's all but guaranteed to land on the top 25 at this point, I would say. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's hope is certainly that, uh, that it uh, could obviously earn number one spot, but uh, gets a, a higher regard. But in 2013, um, you know, well-documented how, how incredibly well the Latelier performed, you know, mm -hmm. 95 that year uh, prior to the, uh, excuse me, 94 ended up being a 95, but 94 yeah. leading into the, the final, uh, the final bracket as they do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, it got robbed. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. I'm going to say it. Uh, it got robbed, you know, and it, 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 it didn't, uh, it didn't crack the top 10, unfortunately, it ended up at the number 12 spot in 2013 and everything, but re reflectively looking back, Casey, when that happened, I mean, considering that was 2013, you had, you know, you had just started this project with your brother a year prior and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you see that as a disappointment? Did were or were you really excited about how well it was received, or was it was it a mix mash of both? And it kind of just like what were the what were the feelings for you? It was a mix. It was a it was a mash of both, realistically, because you know you you wanted to perform at the highest level, but we were we were still a young company. Uh, we we're still growing, finding our our footing in uh, you know being atelier alone at the time. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was in a way, but you look at the ratings that we get now, um, including the surrogates, uh, it says a lot about what we're putting out there in, in, into uh, the consumer's hands. Um, excitement for the future. I think there's a lot more that can be done. And, uh, you know, uh, you know if, if it happens this year, awesome but uh, we'll, we'll keep plugging away at it. Um, we, we, we're finding people that, uh, that really like our stuff and, and, and hitting their, we, we hit their palate and uh, we produce it. We, again, I, I guess my brother says it the best. We produce cigars that we like and along the way people are finding they like them too. And uh, that's just the plus, that's the gravy. That's the icing on the cake, I guess. 
for sure. So Dan, we were talking about this a little bit earlier as well. And it was, it's, it's interesting. Cause when you, when you get the number one cigar of the year, what we've kind of seen in, in past and, and I had, I had Alan Rubin on last week. So this mm-hmm. was an interesting discussion because, um, you know, his, his, uh, his struggle with the number one ranking was, was, was documented, you know, it, it was, it was very real. And, uh, he actually put his story out, um, you know, you know, the after number one story was, yeah. was, was written by a cigar aficionado. And it was, a. it's, you know, for anyone who follows the industry, it's a, it's a, it's a, a glorious, but heartbreaking tale. And, and what, what him and his company were able to do in, you know, kind of a, almost a Phoenix like rise from the ashes kind of thing to, to uh, to get back to uh, notoriety and acclaim has been has been fantastic to see from a fan's perspective and just from you know again from a mm-hmm. person looking at the industry's perspective. Mm-hmm. It, again, in my eyes, it's an and it's an inevitable that Havana Sellish takes a number one spot. It just I I see it I see it sooner than later. Um, what you and what Pete has done over the years, it, I mean, it's it's well earned, well earned and well deserved. Uh, when that when that happens, I I, um, I will be along many 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 people uh, overjoyed. <laughs> we'll come and down and celebrate with you. Sounds good. So my <laughs> but my my question to you is that this this it's a it's a the blessing and the curse. Like so, Dan, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. It, when that inevitable happens, and it's kind of hard to predict this because you don't know if it's this year, you don't know it's ten years from now. I mean, how? how would you guys expect to approach that kind of accolade from where you sit? Pete's, Pete's a pretty humble guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, yeah, a, that wasn't a I, that was going to say ill, 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 ill times, AKZ, ill times. <laughs> no, oh my no. goodness. I know. I know. No, he is. He is extremely humble for sure. That's it. You know, I, I think all of us that, you know, would feel the same way that, you know, you, that's, that's the way you have to take that. I mean, when, when it doesn't happen, of course, you know, you're, you're saying this, I, I would hope that we say the same thing, which is, it's a very subjective thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it, it, it may change. It may change a lot of things, you know, you better be ready for it from the growth side, if that's, if that's where it takes you, right? Mm-hmm. So, be smart and, you know, let it, let it take you there. Right. You're not going to fight mm-hmm. that. Um, but the rest, the rest of it is, you know, the, the humbleness of accepting it and saying, okay, but you know, we, we know, we also know that it's very, a very subjective thing. So um, mm-hmm. good, good for us and good for number two and good for number three. And, you know, and to be honest with you being in the top 10 but um you know right and and realistically um from the logistics piece i mean we're blessed to be with somebody that's won two yeah and they've dealt with it a couple times so when you think about that the production side if you know if if it really turned into oh my everybody and their brother wants this all of a sudden um Mm -hmm. You know the fact the factory has done exactly that twice already. So yeah, and and the amazing thing is that that Florida Las Ventillas is still got a stronghold yeah. in the industry. Yeah, I mean they they've you know it's 
you know, it's arguably the best number one that's been out there when it comes to performance in the marketplace. It still holds the strength um, on the shelf for the retailer. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to mention that. I think it's, it's, it's interesting what uh, this would be if, say, for example, it did happen this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, that would, that would make it, that would make the my father cigar the third time that they've they've, they've hit the number one spot the they've produced the number one uh, number one cigar of the year mm-hmm. and uh leaning on that kind of experience would would have to be uh, obviously inevitable as well but it, it it has to give you guys that degree of confidence that you know again in this is my opinion and i and i don't think i don't think i'm being crazy and i i don't think you guys are being any you know you talked about pete being humble and i don't think it's you know i don't you know I, I I don't want to put words in y'all's mouth, but I think you guys probably feel the same that it one day it'll come um, because of the the incredible work that you guys have put in. I mean, mm-hmm. am I putting words in your mouth? I mean, do you feel that the, the the work that you guys have put in would eventually lead to that kind of accolade? I, I don't want to put you on the spot, and I apologize. I just I might I, I might be surprised that Pete already hasn't had one. You know, if we're just talking yeah. like three guys sitting around smoking. Yeah, I, w- I would probably tell you I'm surprised that he al- that he hasn't had one already. But um, yeah, so the reason I'm so bold in in my in my declaration of it is because I thought last year I thought it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen last year, and and it ultimately didn't. And 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 I remember talking about it with Pete, and he's like, "No, it's not going to happen this year." And um, you know, as 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 Pete is so prone to do, he actually even named the we were having a discussion via text and he was like, <laughs> I think it's going to be this, this cigar, this cigar, this cigar, this cigar. And he named the top five, basically almost in order. Um, I mean, I'm, and I think it was perfectly. Yeah. Ted, too. It was, it's, he, there, he pays attention to that stuff. He, he really he's does. Diligent. He, he really is. does. And it, 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 he's had a long relationship with cigar aficionado when it comes to, um, you know, the people that you know the people that he he uh you know he's known marvin forever he's known gordon he's known greg and 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 savona all those guys uh exceptionally well and Pete was very candid early on in his career as a boutique and and as as a leader in the industry when it came to being in the boutique side in the change i guess i guess it was the change of the industry right wouldn't you say Mm-hmm. you know back in the day yeah um so you know he he pays attention to what they do um he pay, pays attention to everybody what's going on he he's he's got his 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 finger on the pulse of, of what's going on that's the that's the beauty of working with with pete you know um he he, he he's got his ears on the track i guess um I will I will say that I I hope that when it does happen that it happens with a production stick like this, <laughs> and it's not an exception. And they're like, oh, that T one ten is the number one cigar yeah. of the year. It's not like and, the Andalusian yeah. Bull or Eye of the Shark or something. Yeah. Some limited and, limited and production. Yeah. We released you know a thousand boxes of and never intended on you know doing it again. Now that's mm. supposedly not in their mo, but they did do that with the eye. So <laughs> yeah. they weren't number one, but they were number two right. with with a stick that was yeah. limited stick. And then Andre mm-hmm. had to turn around and go, "I guess I'll make that again." 
No. <laughs> I mean, it was a one and done thing. It was one of those things early on, like I was talking yeah. about before, you know, before surrogates. It was one of those things that like I got three boxes of <laughs> to sell. Yeah. And it was like, and then it was number two on the list. Wow. So, yeah. so that's not supposed to be part of, you know, their, their whole methodology, but it has happened. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and that's that's my big joke is watch it happen one year down the road and it's going to be this thing that we that we released a, <laughs> uh, like like the monster right yeah uh, right what what if they come around and say karloff is the number one <laughs> i mean yeah. it's not even supposed to ever be rated but like if they make the mistake of rating it and then it ends up ends up there then you're like ah that's funny we weren't going to make that again. <laughs> What's that do for you? Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Now, I think that the over the years of, of paying attention to this list uh, as well is it's one of the most uh, unsatisfying things is when a Cuban gets named number one, just because it's like, okay, that's great. Yeah. None, none, of, none, of, us can, none of us can get it. not really it. supposed to have it either. Yeah. yeah. Which is which was my whole contention. I actually called the number one when uh, when Ernesto won it with the encore. Mm -hmm. I I, I mm -hmm. picked I picked that that year. Um, and my one of my base arguments wasn't just about the cigars performance, which I thought it was very well. It was my actually my number one cigar of the year the same year. Uh, uh, thanks for overshadowing me there, cigar aficionado. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but um, but my my contention was that I, I didn't see cigar aficionado doing that three years in a row naming a cigar number one that wasn't readily available to most yeah. of its market you know they did yeah. it the andalusian bowl then the eye of the shark which yeah they're domestic cigars but but they were never intended to be you know widely mass released right. productions right. right and for them to do a third year and then come back with a cuban in you know for the third year i just thought no i just it, it just can't happen uh and then last year even though i thought i thought and if i may backpedal a little, little bit here I did say that I didn't think I did think that Pete was going to get the number one, but I also said that I thought that Cuban had a high a chance for it, and that was mm -hmm. that was because it, it, it's due technically, right? Yeah, uh, just mm -hmm. the way that they've done things uh, historically. And so it's a it's an interesting discussion, and I think it, it's poignant considering my company tonight because I, I think you guys are sitting on you know the inevitability of and not many people get to say that, which is which is you know, just speaks to the incredible work that Pete has done. And then uh, subsequently mm -hmm. what the two of you guys have as well. So long. Uh, you asked about 2013. If we go, if we go back to that, one of our reactions was, well, we're going to throw out the Cubans that are in the top 10 and then we're in the top 10. <laughs> Cause I think there were three of them that year that ended up on top of Atelier. And so we just threw those out and said, we're actually in the top 10. There you go. <laughs> that, that was an unbelievably strong year for 94 rated at the yes. end of the yeah. first. Yeah. At the first round, that was there a, were a high ton of number of 94s. Yeah. In, in the end, there were a ton of 95s. Yeah. Yep. Which, there was. Which, you know, the lat ended up at 95. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't remember what number on was all 95. Um, it was like four um, or five in a row that were ninety-five. It was it was yeah, it was a really it was a really strong year. Right down, yeah, it worked its way right down. Ninety-five ended up with Willie at number eight, I think. Willie Herrera might have been, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's some strength. There was there was a it was a solid year for 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 ratings for for 
for uh, cigars. Maybe it will be this year since everything this year has an asterisk after it because it's the COVID year. <laughs> it's like, oh, that would be tragic. Oh, goodness. Don't say it, Dan. Don't say it. Who's going to win the college national championship? Well, who cares, man? Some of these teams have only played five games. Like, you, you want that? I know you want the trophy, but everybody's going to always say, yeah, with an asterisk, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, Casey and I are Red Sox fans, so we'd we'd like to erase this asterisk of a year off of our memories for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we brought him back though. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Well, hey, listen, poor Coop has to deal with any. I think he likes the fact that Dombrowski's coming he does. on to. He does. Oh my God, he just and and you know what? It, like three three lines down, Danny Tiant goes, no, because he saw <laughs> what happened to the Red Sox. Danny goes, I hate that guy. He destroys the farm system. So, yeah. and Coop's argument was, "Well, their farm system already sucks. So, what's the yeah?" He's like, "Go ahead and sell yeah. it off. Something better will happen." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't as it. You and I had this discussion. I wasn't that. I wasn't that hard on Dombrowski. I mean, I thought he was. I, I thought. I, I, I'm still I'm still like in this this fairy tale land where I'm like you know Terry Francona is still our manager and Theo's still our GM mm-hmm. and you know we're still yeah. living. Yeah. We, that's that's what it should be and in reality it's just not uh, i thought i didn't think ben sherrington needed to leave because he was a no i don't think guy. so either i yeah. i i didn't hate Farrell as much as some of the other guys i you know but i still tito should still be the the manager for the red Sox. it's just tito should be the manager and there were some transgressions that took place and baratech was part of it and there's a lot of inner workings there that were a nightmare but yeah i mean that's that's our Red Sox, right? Terry, Absolutely. you know, and and then Farrell was the pitching coach back then, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, it was magical. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I got two more questions, and then our curveball segment to to conclude our night. But I want to I want to take this time to always, and I always take this time towards the end of the night to to thank my guests. Um, you know, it Sunday night is, you know, even even in the COVID era that we've been living in the last nine months, um, Sunday night is still family night. And it's still, you know, it's still your time to spend with family. Um, and, and I really, I cannot thank you two gentlemen enough for spending the last uh, three hours with me uh, to talking about the journey of what you guys have brought uh, to this industry and the, just the, the unique evolution that has taken place within y'all's brands and how it's kind of how it's built in such a very short time. You know, we talk about 10 years with Dan next year, nine years mm-hmm. with you next year, Casey. I mean, that's some really, really amazing stuff has happened in, in just a decade. And it's, it's, it's incredible to, to look back on. And so I really thank you all for your time tonight. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so kind of pivoting towards some of the, uh, you know, some of the more, I guess, interesting things that happened this year within the COVID era, which was the, the, uh, of course, the cancellation of the PCA trade show. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Pete, along with you guys at Havana Sellers, has, has, has a long touted incredible support for the PCA, uh, been huge advocates for it, been huge advocates for the industry. I remember a discussion that I had with Pete right after, um, right after the initial press conference at the last IPCPR trade show that we had. And uh, we were talking about the uh, <laughs> the highly touted and controversial cigar con, mm-hmm. and and P was saying how he uh, I asked him point blank about it, and he 
said, Bear, I'm, I, I, I support the industry. And I will always support the industry and whatever the industry needs of me, I will, I will give and I will do whatever I can for the industry. And mm -hmm. I, I know you guys follow suit with that, but I, I'm interested to think, I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts on with the cancellation of the PCA trade show and with this incredible, and you know, we'll say the word that's been said way too many times in the last nine months, the unprecedented time that we are living in. <laughs> Do you all think that there will be a 2021 PCA trade show? Hmm. I'm hoping. Um, I. It's a hard one. It's it's, it's it, we're we're still battling this virus. Um, we're still battling retailers getting back to some sense of normalcy. Most of you guys have worked your butts off to keep it normal by doing curbside or whatever and, 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 and staying alive, keeping your heads above water. So uh, for the sake of the industry, I hope, hope it, it does happen. I'll play devil's advocate on it on one point, And that is, that would be, let's say summer is the time when things start getting back to normal, right? And that would be the time for the show okay, but you just lived through 18 months of, you know, despair, just trying to keep your business going. Are you really going to walk away right as things are stepping up? Are you going to walk away for three to five days to go to, yeah. to go, to go to the yeah. show? No, I hear you. So it's kind of devil's advocate, more about attendance more than it is from, from our side. Back so. to the age old argument, attendance, right? Yeah. Yep. For yeah, an entirely yeah. different reason, though. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. I, mean, I, I, I can imagine as a shop owner, you're, you know, it's all, it's already a decision to say, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to step away. I've got somebody that can take charge. That's great. Right. Step away because, uh, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I've always gone. I love going, that kind of stuff. Right. But now you're making a decision based on the fact that, Oh, this is maybe the first or second month that we're really, really getting back to normal and maybe, you know, like going crazy because people are like, yeah, I can actually go hang out at the cigar shop like we used to for right. real, yeah. like, you know, without yeah. trying to sneak in the back door and all the stuff that's going on now. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, business could be booming in the summer. Um, and I don't know if I I don't know if I would step away from my shop to go. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's the biggest caveat that I can think of. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, here's another okay. interesting twist, right? So, so mm -hmm. TPE postpones TPE to May, which basically puts it six weeks, 45 days prior to when PCA is scheduled. So, right. mm -hmm. if, if, you know, in the last 24 months, there's been this discussion point about TPE versus PCA, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're, they're basically going to be banging on each other's doorsteps. So what, from, from the Havana sellers perspective, what are you guys going to be doing? Is this something you, would you attend both shows? Uh, would you just attend PCA? What, what's your we, strategy uh, along that? I, I think I'm allowed to say this, but we're, we're not going to TPE. Yeah. Okay. I think we're I think we're 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 supporting the industry um 
as as a whole and PCA seems to be the way to go um, because of of their support of the retailer um, and and yeah. legislation. I mean, that's, and legislation that's, absolutely. That's probably. I mean, that's kind of the the big point yeah. I think, especially from mm -hmm. you know, absolutely Pete's standpoint, the Garcias, others in the industry um, that feel like feel the way they do is. You know, the PCA is an organization that's at least, you know, contributing towards, you know, that that cause, um, and mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's important because they're all they're all putting their own money up for the same for the same yeah. reason. So mm -hmm. they want to they want to support an organization that's also doing that. Mm -hmm. Do you think Havana sellers will have, from a footprint perspective, will they have a similar footprint that we're used to seeing each year at the PCA? Will you guys take a smaller uh, strategy or a larger one? Or, or is that even uh, subject been brokered yet? That's a good I, question. We it won't, it won't about be larger. It. <laughs> right, it won't be larger, right. But I think I, it, it's, it's still a wait and see thing for us. Yeah. Um, with that, um, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, there's a lot can happen within the next, you know, five months. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of change. So, you know, it's, it's constant motion. So. I mean, look, it's a bit, it's a big commitment to go to the show. It's a lot of money, mm -hmm. time, you know, all that. Um, and, you know, the, the, the benefits outweigh that we get to see everybody, you know, all in one place. Mm -hmm. um, we look forward to it as much as they do, um, mm -hmm. but I, it, you know, I, one, it's a matter of whether it's even going to happen, and then, right. you know, obviously, if it does, I would assume that we'll be there, um, mm -hmm. even if, even if attendance is lower. Yeah. Um, wow. So, so Dan, you mentioned legislation, and legislatively, uh, the premium cigar industry had uh, two really distinct and powerful victories in 2020. That's the one good thing that we can say that, that came out of this year. And that was, of course, the warning labels decision, but also the subsequent decision uh, recently made, uh, handed down by Judge Amit Menta, who uh, proclaimed that the FDA's, uh, I love saying this every fucking week, it's great. Um, the FDA's position had no merit. It, uh, that uh, their regulation of the way that they wanted to regulate the premium cigar industry did not hold water essentially. And that, uh, and the FDA all but it, uh, even admitted that they didn't have the resources to, to regulate the premium cigar industry in the way that they had fastened when they handed down this uh, right. the deeming regulations uh, years ago. Um, so this was a huge, huge win for us. Now, nothing's going away. It's still there, um, but it's basically mm -hmm. just uh, for all intents and purposes has just been cast aside and, and put into uh, this, this kind of state of flux, but it has opened the door. It has opened the door for, or for at least the, or at least a window is the metaphor that I've been choosing to use for mm -hmm. a lot of brands who are established like y'all selves mm -hmm. and brands who want to become established to release cigars to the market. Um, do you, is, is that part of the uh, surrogates L'Atelier strategy to now take advantage of this window of opportunity and, 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 and put some things to market that, uh, that maybe they, maybe you all were conservatively holding back because, you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't achievable. Somewhat. And then, you know, from the, from the Havana sellers 
standpoint, there's a lot of stuff, right? When we registered names and you know sizes that we've produced, mm-hmm. there's there's a hell of a lot more than you know what we're currently marketing. I.e., mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff from Pete's history that can come back, right? And or can come back in you know a different form and still be still be that thing that would you know that's already quote unquote on the books right. so it, it's kind of twofold um yeah we don't we don't talk about it in in necessarily the way that you just brought it up which is hey you know open window yeah. just create stuff um we we're, we're still thinking of it in terms of you know yeah that's i mean you did that size you know we already did that let's yeah we'll We'll do something, but it's already based on something that existed. Yeah, and that that, that, that tends that to, to play into that. right. Pete's longevity in the industry is is giving us that right. Yeah, yeah. To be able to do that, so um, that's a big plus. Yeah, I think we're staying to the script a little bit. We're not de- deviating um, too much. You know, we'll reintroduce some stuff, but I don't. I don't think we're going to go too far outside the box you know where, where you were saying you know open the door or open yeah. the window um where we'll yeah. we'll stick close to the close to the script yeah i think you know you're going to see some limited releases that you know had been done in the past um done again as a mm-hmm. you know the same kind of limited release but you know getting it out to more retailers than just mm-hmm. the one that it was originally created for mm-hmm. um you're gonna you're gonna see that you're probably gonna you're probably gonna see some of that next year actually um mm-hmm. but yeah like what in that realm of hey wh- if there is a pca show what are we going to introduce at the show we're not we're not having that conversation right now other than some of the stuff that we've kind of already talked about right mm-hmm. which would come out whether there's a show or not but yeah so john this is our final question of the night which is always our curveball segment and i'm throwing in an extra one just because of uh something that i learned about dan and his uh, his background and you were talking about the acting lessons that you took in la uh <laughs> when you were first starting out so you're an actor so well, i'm going to put a pin in that for a second and we're going to talk about specifically surrogate cigars and latelier cigars now we've kind of had this discussion all night about how it's all kind of been under one you know umbrella for a long time and the merger was kind of the seamless transition that uh, was just kind of natural and everything but you know as you know even though there are, there are very distinct identities that we talked about so i wanted to pose this question to both of you but in opposite so the question to kc is which surrogates blend would you wish could be actually a Latelier blended branded product? And Dan, which Latelier blend would would you wish could be a surrogate's product? Hmm. So you guys are both thinking about this very hard really quick. So I'll, I'll give you a second and then I'm going to give Dan the honors. I would, uh, I would take Cote d'Or that we did as a limited run <laughs> and put that, put that in a different size under the, uh, under the surrogates umbrella. And I'm going to say seven Sam. There you go. Yeah. 
I, I would I would say that too. Yeah. 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 I uh, I think it Cote, would work. Cote d'Or would be awesome because we could we could come up with some goofy names. I was going to ask you what would, what do you think the name would be? I'm putting you on the spot. Was, come up with something. <laughs> It would not be coat of arms, but you know, play on, <laughs> play on that like that. No, do a do a petite and call it El Pibe, Maradona. Uh. It it's interesting you said the seventh sand, Casey, because that's what exactly what I was thinking. I was exact. I was really thinking. I was like, I was like, I wonder if he's going to say the seventh sand. So what what made yeah. you choose that? Well, I mean, I haven't smoked it yet, but. The seven salmon, the robusto, and I have to hear Dan say it over and over again. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I've only I'm smoked little... two. Well, guess what? Mom, mom, and mom and dad got uh, that oh, coming no, into the show. Take that back. So, I smoked all five samples. I was going to say without sending you any. Yeah, I smoked five. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It, it gives me a reason to go buy a. Sample oh no, I, I've smoked five. That, yeah. Five? No, yeah. No, I'm. I'm I haven't smoked a sampler see... yet. Right. I'd, I'd be interested to see that in another size um, in the atelier. And yeah. I have no idea what we'd call it. All right, Dan. So last curveball to you. 754. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Do it in the 54 size. There you go. We're not even drinking. See, we can give yeah. up alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no more bourbon, right? Oh, yeah. Damn. Okay. So, okay, so, next curveball. So Dan, pivoting to you, okay. So you, you're the actor, okay. Um, and uh, I, for everyone out there, we were talking about your. Uh, I asked you if you did Shakespeare at one point. You said that you did uh, a a really interesting uh, rendition of uh, of Richard the uh, Third, which was uh, which was done with uh, David Bow uh, Bowie music. So yeah. that, uh, <laughs> love to see that. So, um, but. Um, so I have to ask this question. So if you were, I know you're the actor, but if you were putting the director hat on or the casting director on, so who in Hollywood today would play your partners in Havana Cellar? So who would play Pete Johnson and who would play KC Johnson? <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I don't know now. Go Clooney for Pete, doppelganger. Yeah, but you'd have to go back to when he was younger. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about Clooney for Pete. So that's that's funny. That's that's two for two. You and I, you and I are on the same yeah. wavelength there, Casey. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I think Clooney looks good in a stash, man. He could pull that off. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He could. And especially if you go back in time a little bit, so that they match. Age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Then, then a hundred percent that. What about for Casey? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. See, I'm, I, I'm unique. I thought I see. I went two directions with Casey when I was thinking about this question for you, Dan. So, so I, John, I literally, John Malkovich would play me. I, I can see that. I can see that. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Man. Nice pick. That I didn't. I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about Casey and Pete because I was ask, asking you this question. See, I thought about two people uh, for for Casey, and I, I think one's too old, and I think one's too edgy. So my pick, the edgy pick, was Vin Diesel. Yeah. And I and I just think I think he's got. I think he's a little too. I think he's a little too gruff. I think. Yeah. 
Casey's very approachable. I'm still a little, I'd still be a little, I'd still be a little like scared to talk to Vin Diesel. There's something about it. Nah, <laughs> actually, he's pretty, pretty cool dude. Um, my, uh, my brother-in-law worked with him in a call center in LA selling oh, wow. tools. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty, pretty approachable guy. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah. the two old guy that I thought of was, was Bruce Willis, uh, but, he's, was, but he's too old. I, I, yeah. yeah. Bruce Willis could be it. But John, the John Malkovich pick for Dan, I think, I think for that Dan, wins it. I think that wins on. it. Yeah. yeah that, that totally wins it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. No, that, that said we were, we were in um, Bordeaux, Pete, Pete and myself and the girls were with us um, and we were, we were walking around St. Emilion and we had lunch. We had no idea what this person was talking about and people in the street kept saying it over and over again and it sounded like Brew Willie. Brew Willie. Yeah. Bruce Willis. So Bruce Willis had just done some movie where he had gained a bunch of weight and he had this, this huge beard and mm -hmm. I'm over there weighing more than I do right now even and I had this freaking big beard going on and it wasn't white um, and shaved head and but they were as I was passing that's what they were they were like is that Bruce Willis and, <laughs> and it was we were finally sitting for lunch and someone You're like a foot taller than him <laughs> someone said it yeah. Yeah. I know he's tiny I have a no. I have a picture of of him in the wax museum in um in Los Angeles and I'm standing right next to him and I'm like, these are, these are life size, aren't they? <laughs> like, hey, Bruce. <laughs> well, the other person for Dan would be, um, Oh goodness gracious. Um, back in the day, early Dan Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. You know, you got to see old pictures. You got to see some of the old pictures of Dan when he was lifting weights. And he had a huge mane of hair. Mane of hair. <laughs> Curly hair. Yep. We still, I still have that video somewhere of you uh, doing, uh, doing push-ups at the event here in Texas, Dan, with, uh, with, <laughs> with Don Jennings on your back, which was just the uh, most impressive thing I've ever seen. Don, Try, not, or, or creepy. Or creepy. Trying the hardest just to press one out. Yeah. <laughs> Don's not a big guy, but that was still, that was still, that was still a feat. I gotta say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but gentlemen, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for tonight. It has been incredible yeah. sitting down and talking with you all about this journey. Uh, and just incredible. Dan, I can't wait to have you back. KC as well. I know there are always going to be great things to talk about with you two gentlemen and, uh, really excited for, uh, really excited for this take and it, uh, it definitely delivers. So thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us. This was great. So uh, for everyone out there, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you for all your comments and likes and shares. Uh, if you are a fan of this show, be sure to uh, check us out on Facebook at the Yellow Sufumar page. You can check out our upcoming guest list that will be released here in a couple of weeks going into the new year. Um, we do have our 150th take coming up next week. Uh, our 150th take, and Nick Perdomo will actually be sitting down with me next week. So I'm really excited for that. <coughs> and... Uh, if you are, again, if you are a fan of the show, check us out on Facebook, but you can also check us out on YouTube as well. The Yellow Sufumar channel you can uh, like, subscribe, and review. And, or if you're just listening to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts, 
be sure you download, subscribe, and review there. If you already are a subscriber, please, I encourage you, please unsubscribe. But dear God, don't forget to resubscribe because that really helps my numbers and helps me getting keep getting great guests like the two gentlemen this evening. Um, we thank you for everyone out there. Again, this was our 149th take. Done 149 of these. This is crazy. So from, as always, gentlemen, live from the HF Barcelona, Barcelona studios of Euless, Texas, I'm your host, Barry Duplicy, as always. And guess what, everyone? We'll see you next time.